Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers coverage of the House of the Dragon. This is episode 134, covering episode 8 of House of the Dragon, The Lord of the Tides. I'm Scaddy, and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to uh, episode 134. We've got these episodes coming out every Friday. Hopefully you've enjoyed them a little bit more frequently than we're accustomed to doing our episodes, but in keeping with the release schedule of the show, it's been a lot of fun to kind of stay on our toes and do this. Uh, as you know, we're breaking down the most recent episode of House of the Dragon, scene by scene, keeping it spoiler-free th- for those of you that haven't read Fire and Blood, the book upon which this show is based on. But if you have read the book or you just don't care about spoilers, stick around after the main portion of the episode because we are going to proceed into a special segment called Dragons After Dark where we will talk book spoilers and we will throw out some predictions of what we think might happen in the episodes following this one that we're discussing. Yes, and if you're interested in our coverage of these events as they occur in Fire and Blood, you know, the true canon, yeah, I said it. Ooh. Check out the Davos Fingers episodes 82 and 83. They have covered pretty much everything that happened so far in the House of the Dragon series. Of course, House of the Dragon are fleshing out a lot more detail in all of these scenarios. So it doesn't line up perfectly. The timelines are played a bit from book to show, but but uh, everything basically that's happened is covered in those two episodes, 82 and 83, uh, way back in our canon, probably three years ago now or close. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 50 episodes ago? Holy cow. Yeah. 50. Yeah. I didn't uh, think we'd make it to five, Matt. I don't think any of us did. No. Probably many of you didn't either. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> but to find all of those episodes <laughs> and more, check them out wherever you look for your podcast. Well, most everywhere. You can even find these House of the Dragon episodes on YouTube. So uh, if you love to chat with us or shoot us a comment, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that on our YouTube channel. You can also send us a raven at wearedavosfingers at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can always find us on Twitter where we are at Davos Fingers. And you can check out our Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. All right, Scad, we have another big time leap. We do. Shall we leap? Let's just, let's, you know, let's do it. Let's leap. Uh, the episode. Do I get, am I Scott Bakula or are you Scott Bakula? Oh, you're Scott Bakula. Okay. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm Ted. Wait, who Ted? are we talking about? What? Do you not know Quantum Leap? I was bringing Bill and Ted's adventure, but Bill and Ted goes back in. Bill and Ted goes back in time. I needed to do Marty McFly, who is Biff Tannen. I don't know. Quantum Leap goes back in time too. He goes all over, right? For those of you youngsters, check out Quantum Leap if you can find it. It's pretty actually pretty hard to find. There's a reboot. Don't. don't. There is. It just just started. Just go find the Scott Bakula version. It's amazing. It's really good. There's some anyway. Let's move on. And for those of you that want to be in 2022, go check out the reboot. Who wants to? Who wants to? (laughs) Not me. In one ear, out the other. If I hear Al Michaels talking about it on Monday Night Football, it's probably not going to get watched. Uh, Just kidding. I love Al Michaels. Okay. What were you going to say? No. No. Just Quantum Leap is a great show. That's all. All right. Uh, okay. Rhaenys, the first scene we get in this episode is Rhaenys sitting in the Driftwood Throne, which is interesting. She looks great on it, too. Just oh. like the way she's like posed on it and everything. 
She belongs on a throne, that girl. Mm. If there was ever a visual meant to show us, hey, maybe somebody missed out on something somewhere, this is probably it. It's Rainy's on a throne. I mean, even Bela even says later in the scene, she looks quite comfortable there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You think that throne, the Iron Throne, would have cut her if they'd named her instead of Viserys? Absolutely not. She'd cut the Iron Throne is what she'd do. She'd melt that thing down with her icy glare. She would. Oh, I could gush about her and Eve Best all day, all day. We shouldn't, though. Probably I not. I mean, in this scene, we can. She, she deserves it in this scene. Yeah. So, yeah, we get it. So, we get a six year skip, mm-hmm. essentially. They say it right up front. They don't. It's <laughs> been six years since I've seen my husband, right? No bones about it. Yeah, they make it very mm-hmm. clear. Uh, so, she hasn't seen him because he's been off in Stepstones fighting again. Uh, he has taken a wound. Mm-hmm. He was caught by a trap in which he was going toward a vessel that looked sunken or uh, abandoned or abandoned, yeah. not in use, and was then set upon and cut. And now he, the wound apparently is not really what they're worried about so much as the fever which burns from within. Yeah, me after Taco Bell. Oh, wait, is that what we're talking about? No, I mean, okay. it's good. It's good. All right. Okay. All right. It's mm-hmm. good. Sorry for interrupting. Mm-hmm. Carry no, on. It's good. It's good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so she's she hasn't seen him in years, and he's apparently in bad shape, and this prompts Vaymond, Corliss's brother, to do what? Uh, maybe show his hand too soon. He's bringing up the succession, yeah, and he is uh, angling for himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's wasting no time at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To which, Bela says, "My grandfather, se- my grandmother seems just com- quite comfortable there, on that seat." And uh, I agree. I agree. We should mention that Bela is there because she has been uh, accepted as a ward mm-hmm. of House Valarian, and so. Which is which is interesting considering the rocky relationship between Rhaenyra and Damon yeah. and Rhaenys. So yeah, a cool, little interesting. We'll I would have I would have maybe expected it to be Rhaena and not Bela. Uh, mm, sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes you send a second son or a second daughter instead of the first, right? Uh, so that's maybe a little bit interesting. Uh, Vaymond is bringing up some some dialogue here that is not super foreign to us. Uh, he talks about the fact that he is true Valerian blood. Yep. Some, something that Rhaenys herself made a comment about to Corlys himself in the last episode. He's making the same argument to Rhaenys that she made to Corlys last episode. And so it's interesting to see her kind of shuffle it off to the side, you know, uh, and say this is what Corlys wanted when he's really just making the same argument she did. Yeah, I made a similar note that interesting that she will make these arguments behind closed doors just with him, but out in front of people, she's the model of of support and family unity. She's going to stick with what her husband says in the end, which I, I suppose you could ag- admire about her, or at the same time, you could be like, uh, maybe you should stand up for yourself a little bit out there, Rainies. But she, you know, for better or for worse, she sticks with her husband's wishes, uh, even in the face of a very adamant younger brother yeah she is the very model of a supportive major wife in nope 
I lost it. That's a musical <laughs> lyric. That's a musical lyric, Matt. But I failed. But I failed. Okay. All right. I am we'll the very model level modern major general. You never heard that. Oh one? yeah, I do know. Pirates that of Penzance. Uh-huh. Come on. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I didn't make the connection with the wife. Well, I didn't sing it, so it's my bad. <laughs> uh, so but, go ahead. Uh, we should mention in the book, Vaymond. I think we mentioned this in our last episode. He is one of half a dozen nephews. Uh, I, I like this change of making him little brother. It just makes his 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 desire for that claim to the throne. It makes it more sincere. I feel like, um, and, and it feels like a very righteous quest on Vaymond's part. You know, to us, it feels a little villainous because we've been conditioned at this point to you know love Rhaenyra and love her sons, Jason Luke, and we don't want anyone to get in that way. Uh, but if you look at it from his perspective, you know, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Totally. And it's it's the same reason we understood Rhaenys' argument last episode. Sure. Mm-hmm. You're trying to protect the line of blood of this house, right? And interestingly, it's not even Rhaenys' line, right? It's Corlys's line, really, of, of blood that she's trying to protect. But Vaemon has that same argument, and right. it lives within him. This is a honorable, noble house, centuries old, and he doesn't want it to die out. It doesn't. It doesn't not make sense. Mm-hmm. It's just difficult. Another interesting note about this is that uh, he notes that Corliss has led them into calamity after calamity, is what he calls it. <laughs> and it's a it's a little different than the view we get of Corliss in Fire and Blood, which is that the Valerians were a powerful naval house, but the riches came from Corliss. Right. He made them powerful. He made them who they were. Mm-hmm. He made them a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And Vaymond is kind of, you know, poo-pooing that. A little bit. Yeah, it's kind of a high-stakes lifestyle, I guess, that Corliss lead, leads, right? You know, high risk, high reward. And, yeah. you know, with the rewards come some losses at times. He says, my brother cares only for the history books in that yep. same, I think it's the next, very next sentence. <laughs> and I just imagine Rainey's being like, well... Yeah, you got a point there. Yeah. I said the same thing just six years ago, actually. One episode not, ago to us. But you're not you're wrong. Not, you're not wrong, <laughs> but we're not doing what you want. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On that note, him rushing into an ambush also kind of checks out, you know, caring for the history books and everything. So a little bit. I always thought of him more as a traitor than a than a you know a, a battler. I think yeah. I think the book uh yeah, an adventurer, as it yeah. would be, but... I'm sure he got in some scrapes, yeah. but I never thought of him, like, leading armies into sure. the fray. Like, sure. commanding them, more like a Tywin from the back. Uh-huh. Yeah, strategizing. But I never imagined him, like, out there swinging clubs and swords and stuff. Yeah, it's fun to see it here, but I agree with you. I imagine him more like a pirate lifestyle, right? Where they're not yeah, out bit. fighting engagements all the time, but, you know, everyone gets boarded. Yeah. Even yeah. I get boarded sometimes. Thank you, Han. Yep. I can arrange that. <laughs> could use a good kiss. Uh, shall we move on? Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to point out real quick that um, Rayonese, we've seen already, is incredibly disenchanted at this whole Game of Thrones thing. We've seen it in her conversations with Rhaenyra. We've seen it in her, especially in her conversations with Corlys. And I had a thought as I was watching this for the third time is that she's already lost her two sons to the Game of Thrones. So when it comes to someone inheriting a prestigious throne like 
the driftwood throne um let luke valarian fall on that sword <laughs> that's kind of what i thought of at that point like he's not my blood he can be the sacrificial lamb so my husband wants him on the driftwood throne and it means protecting my granddaughters keeping them out of harm's way i'll do it yeah i just want to clarify you said lost her two sons you mean Leonor? oh her two Leonor? okay two children it's fine, it's fine. i just wanted yeah. to clarify yeah uh so yeah Misspoke. what what you're saying really is it's interesting i didn't i didn't think of it uh she sees this position as a position at least in the short term of a position of peril one yes. that will endanger the person that sits it so like sure let's let this one take it and then yeah if he wants it that's fine. bela and reyna over here and they can take it later maybe <laughs> right yeah. yeah it's interesting i didn't think about it that way. now that's challenged later on in the episode um but we'll get to that yes so we'll get to that mm-hmm. well the stakes change a little bit later in the episode yeah for we'll sure yep so damon goes egg hunting and ah! my my first note was oh so that's what a clutch looks like right the, pa- yeah. the power of television i'm gonna maybe come down on television a little bit later but you know it has its uh its strengths for sure which is like oh i never i never knew what george imagined imagined a clutch looked like i just imagined like kind of just like a nice little bushel or something of yeah, eggs like a nest like, yeah a nest yeah i didn't i i thought it was like a I just thought it was like a big dragon turd or something at first. It's a heat sack. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That seems really cool because sack. you watch it for like the first five seconds and you have no idea what you're looking at. And then all of a sudden you see this tiny figure in the distance coming down the wall. All Spider-Man. And even then you're like, you're Damon like, has a new hobby. That's great. Right. Spelunking. And you're not even sure it's really Damon at first. Like, what is this? What's going on? It was a cool scene. I liked it. I bet it burns a lot of calories, Spelunking. Good for him. Get a hobby. Spelunking. Uh, you think he's out looking for eggs for the new baby? Maybe? I wonder, maybe all three. For Aegon, Viserys, and Viserys, and, and the baby, yeah. And I, we yeah. don't know if Joffrey's got his egg yet. So um, True, Joffrey made a, a small appearance in this one. But my favorite part of this was how excited Damon was when he came out of there and he was talking to the dragon yeah. shepherd guys. I forget what dragon keepers. I don't know. Um, he was he was like borderline giddy when he was talking about it. He's yeah. like, Cyrax had another clutch I found and he had this big smile on his mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to see a lot of range from Matt Smith in this episode. And this bit. is just the beginning of that. I agree. It, it's in, I, it feels like he's, um, I don't know, maybe settled into it a little bit with Rhaenyra, that he's he's got a role, he understands where he fits, he likes it, mm-hmm. and he's maybe like contributing in a way he never contributed before to a family, to a, a culture, to a, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but yeah, he seems, even in this tiny little scene, more content than we've seen him, and that's... Yeah. Uh, Maybe maybe we're overreacting to a very small scene, but it, it felt that way. I agree. It it seemed very intentional how excited yeah. he was and happy yeah. and smiling and yeah. Yeah. And then he gets a note. Yeah, notes, uh dark wings, dark words, right? For sure. Yeah. Um yeah, so that note essentially just uh warns. It's from Bela. It warns he and and Rainier that. Well, that Maimon is going to basically go make a claim, right? Um, right. And we get that we get that reading in the midst of a, a scene wherein Jace is learning Valyrian. 
be mm-hmm. honest, Matt, I'm pretty surprised they hadn't done this already. Feels like, I mean, everyone knows kids learn languages better earlier. I don't, I don't know why they didn't teach him at five instead of 15 or whatever he is, but. I wonder if it was him who decided I want to learn High Valyrian. Hmm. You know. That's interesting. I what we, I, I don't know. But we see in this episode, and I maybe saw glimpses of it in the last episode, of him, his determination to be a Targaryen. Mm-hmm. He he is more determined than his little brother, even at this point, to just be like, I am a Targaryen, even though he knows he's a strong, <laughs> but he is Targaryen. He's half Targaryen, too. He's determined is- to be that Targaryen. And you see it yeah. more in this episode. And I wonder if that was him would be like, you know what? I'm a Targaryen. I'm going to learn High Valyrian. I'm going to do this and this and this and this. So people can say whatever they want about my hair color, but I am a Targaryen. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, we talk about, uh, and I, I'm guilty of it quite a lot, of just calling them the strong boys. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's just easier, right? It's just easier to refer they to are. that way. But, they are. That's correct. But they are Targaryen kids. They yep. have Targaryen blood. Mm-hmm. They're bastards in the sense that their father is not who everyone thinks their father is, but mm-hmm. they're still Targaryen kids, um, you know, just not through marriage and yeah. people hate that. But 100%. Well, 50%, 50%, 50%. Yeah. 100% you agree with me. 50% of the, of the blood. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I think Rhaenyra and Damon have the right of this. They know Bayamond is really just concerned with the Valerian line. Damon mm-hmm. says that explicitly. Um, but they still do worry about Bayamond's desire to keep that Valerian line and what it might mean for aligning with the Greens in King's Landing. That's where I think Rhaenyra is starting to to hint at. If it's auto, yeah. if it's it's Vaemon by himself. You know, we can work with that. You put Vaymond with Otto Hightower, and all of a sudden, you know, yeah. we've got an issue. And it turns out to be 100% correct. The Valerian fleet belongs to the Greens. That's a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to your point about Damon earlier seeming a little more content, we see that here, too. He's almost softer with her, whereas with Lena, it was very much like, I'll kiss your belly and everything, but it's my way or the highway. And the minute you express your feelings to me, I'm just going to get up and leave. And I'm not going to say anything to you Yeah. with Rhaenyra. She talks about how concerned she is and everything. And Damon says to King's Landing then, you know, <laughs> which may have been on his mind anyways, too. But you definitely see a softening uh, with the two of them. There's a comfort. They're now six, seven years into this marriage. And it, it feels that way. Whereas last time I kind of complained a little bit about their chemistry, this marriage feels a lot more lived in. I agree with you. It's not a note I have, but but as you talk about it, I see what you mean. It, it feels, I mean, Damon has always been, I hate the term, but an alpha, right? Like he's had to be in control and be in charge and be the one making the calls. It feels like he's settled into this partnership yeah. wherein they have some shared power and he's happy contributing to that and yeah again just the word content i guess mm-hmm. yeah well that'll all change so <laughs> no well i'm not sure well we'll get to that we'll get to that in season two or three yeah uh, that's true they're gonna head to king's landing now 
they are, in fact, they're going to arrive with some lovely music uh, underscoring it. Uh, but we don't talk how- enough about the soundtrack. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. The the little the ascending voices. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love it. Beautiful. It was a bad rendition. I apologize, everyone listening, but I love it. I know it. exactly what you're talking about. Well, I'm not that bad. You know, just like <laughs> regularly bad. So you remember, Matt, how offended everyone was when Viserys arrived at high tide and no one came out to greet them? Right. This is like worse. Yeah. This is the future queen. Well, maybe not worse. It's the future queen, not the current king. But nobody at King's Landing comes comes out. Nobody. Mm-hmm. It's just people looking around when they arrive and nobody comes out the doors. Till Intent- Caswell throws her a bone. <laughs> intentionally insulting, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's said in just the next scene. Right? I mean, you feel like Caswell himself was like, oh my God, no one went. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> you know, and like ran out there, right? Yep, absolutely. Yep, no one sent him. That was all him, like walking past the window and being like, oh, the queen's here. exactly yeah (laughs) exactly they walk inside the red keep and they immediately notice a difference that's highlighted for us viewers by a huge seven-pointed star Mm -hmm. right inside the red keep and we'll see a lot more of that religious imagery as we go along through the episode but it's obvious early on that the two rainier and daemon that a perceived high tower takeover is well underway yeah, a takeover of the Targaryen culture almost, right? Right, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have much more about the arrival. I just, should we just go straight into the council yeah, meeting? Yeah, let's do it. Poor Lyman Beesbury just uh, <laughs> trying to let everyone know what's happening with the finances of the kingdom, and they don't want it. Yeah, move on, move on, move on. We've all had those moments, right? We're like you're you're just you're talking about something you think is important and everyone's just kind of moved on and maybe we're younger than Beesbury and we look around and notice that no one cares, or maybe we don't notice. But we've all had those moments, right? Absolutely. Like, oh, Nobody cares what I'm saying. And then you just sink into uh you try to just disappear for the rest of that meeting. Um, but we have the moment that you talked about, SCAD. Uh, Otto Hightower asks, uh, who was it? It was Harold Westerling, who was the Lord Commander. Um, he, he comes in and says, Rainier and Damon have arrived. And Otto says, were they welcomed as befitting their station? <laughs> in like a little elbow thing, right, Allison? <laughs> we're so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like they're going for a little, a little dig there. Yeah, and um, this is skipping ahead to the end of the scene, but we'll go back. But just while we're on this point, when Allison ends the council meeting, she stands up saying, I must greet our guests. It's like, Allison, honey, you must greet greet the future queen. These aren't yeah. this isn't just like normal, it's not like your your cousin came to visit you. This is like the future queen. You don't call her, I guess I gotta go meet our guests. But it seemed no, honest. That wasn't just for posturing. I think that's how she feels. For sure. But I think I think still. she I think she still looks at Rhaenyra as an underling. Especially that, having not seen her in a long time. So. Yeah. Rhaenyra hasn't put in the work to take yep. care of the kingdom, to take care of Viserys, to mm-hmm. help run the kingdom. She she 
I believe Alicent for sure thinks of Rhaenyra as lesser than she is. 100%. And I'm not, I'm not saying she's right. I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying that's how Alicent thinks of Rhaenyra at this point. Agreed. Um, yeah. No question. And uh, I'll just jump in real quick. Uh, for those watching the video, Sami had a massive coughing attack. I'm a little sick. I'm trying to mute whenever I can. I can't hide the video. Well, but the good, the good thing about those videos is it it shows only the person talking. So that's why I tried to just like keep talking because then it'll show my camera and hide you coughing. So no did one I would just, have ever known if you wouldn't if you would have just kept your mouth shut. Did I just give away give away the prestige? <laughs> the prestige. Like I just you, gave it away. You gave it away. It's all good. My bad. <laughs> I, th I thought we were doing a split screen thing. Maybe that's. I tried. I tried. Okay. Kalisar, if you know how to get it to just show split screen on Zoom all the time, let me know. <laughs> um, what else in this scene you got? Well, a lot. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of little things happening here. I mean, mm -hmm. they're talking mm -hmm. about uh, Lucerus uh, taking over, perhaps. Um, but Thailand jumps right in on it as almost you get the sense maybe that that Otto has complete control. Maybe it's Alicent, but I feel like it's Otto maybe yeah, has probably. complete control of this council. Yep. Doesn't care maybe about Beesbury, but like he's got basically Doesn't everybody else or mm -hmm. most of them under control. Thailand immediately jumps to question the validity of validity of Lucerus's claim. Not right. his claim, but his ability. Can he? Mm -hmm. Can, yeah, he rides a dragon, but he's in anything about ships. Has he ever even been on a ship? This Which, guy can can he do his point. job? You got a little bit of a point there. It's not a bad point, but Beesbury immediately jumps in. Ability does not alter his claim. For sure. Right? Which I have a mini rant on that. So uh Thailand, he does bring up a good point, you know. But um, you know, Luke doesn't have salt in his blood that like other Valerian Valarians do. But Okay, so we got to look back here at what Luke, what is happening with Luke, like what you're saying and what Lyman Beesbury said. He's in line to become the master of Driftmark. That's the title held by the head of House Valarian, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Traditionally, they've also held the title Lord of the Tides, which is not the same thing. Master of Driftmark is head of the house. Lord of the Tides is more of like a military title, right? You you control all of House Valarian's ships, well, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. Master of ships is the... I'm getting there. Okay, I'm getting okay. there. All right, so that's all where right. things get muddy, is Lord of the Tides is still a Valarian title, uh -huh. meaning that you're master of all the Valarian ships. The, the water gets muddy, though, because the government, the king, the kingdom, the small council has a master of ships, like you said, yes. which is a completely different title. However, it's muddy because this this title has traditionally almost always been a Valarian. Um, it, I looked it up in Targ history prior to Thailand. There's only been one person, only one non-Valarian to be the master of ships since Aegon. The but first. Thailand, Thailand is that currently. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So there's been Thailand Lannister, and then before Corlys, there was Manfred Redwine, and mm -hmm. every other master of ships has been a Valarian. Well, so let's it gets be clear. Muddy. That's like two or three dudes. I mean, we're only 120 it's years into this. Four. Yeah, it's like four, like okay. four, four or right. five, maybe. All right. Um, 
So but yes, in Fire and Blood, they say it has been almost considered hereditary. Correct. They say that. Yeah. So you really have three different titles that we're talking about here. <laughs> yes. You've got Master of Ships, Lord of the Tides, which are Valarian titles. Then you've got, or sorry, Master of Driftmark, Lord of the Tides, Valarian titles. Then you've got Master of Ships, which is a government appointment appointed title. Yes. Usually that's all been the same person. Now it's different. So what I'm seeing here, this long diatribe just to get at, is Thailand is looking at someone else to do his jobs, his job for him. Luceres Valerian, he's like saying, can he command ships? Doesn't matter, Thailand. That's your job, actually. That's your job. Right. His Valerians provide the ships and you may put them in a position of power as Lord of the Tides or whatever. But really, Thailand, you're the one commanding the ships. So that's funny. Quit trying to find someone else to do your job, buddy. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. That's funny. (laughs) He wants the title of master of ships, but he wants Valarian to do his job for him. I mean, if you put it that way, I have to reconsider the, the episode title, which is the Lord of the tides Mm -hmm. uh, and what that means. I wonder if they are really separating the master of Driftmark from the Lord of the tides or whether they consider them. They're not. It's, it's, yeah, it's almost always been the same person. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if the, I didn't look it up. I don't know if there's ever been a time when the master of Driftmark was not also the Lord of the, the, Lord tides. Of the tides. I think yeah. it's probably seen as the probably same one thing. of the same. Yeah. 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 Okay. But technically. So good. did did you get some sense from Westerling, the Kingsguard, uh, the head of the Kingsguard, that he is chafing a little bit? Yeah. At this? Okay. I me did too. what you commanded me to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure I wasn't alone there. Uh, we have we have scenes from Westerling, uh, the head of the King's Guard, interacting with Rainier when she was younger. Right? We have mm-hmm. a few of them where it seemed like they had a kind of a close, a close friendly relationship. Absolutely. That, but I think he would have been considered like her sworn protector. Yeah, back before a while. he was made the King's Guard. Right. Yeah, so perhaps. that first episode was basically. Yeah. It. Uh, so. The, the other main takeaway, I guess, from this scene is that struck me is that I think it's Ironrod says, Jasper Wilde says that Lord Corliss never made the next owner of Master of Driftmark made known. He never declared it. He never authorized it. He never made sure that everyone knew it. Yeah, put it in writing. Which is just awful. Because we know it. I mean, we have scenes with he and Rayanus where he's declaring it and where he wants it. How how could he have fumbled this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, not put it in writing. Yes. Yeah. Unless he still wasn't completely sure. I'm not sure but... it would have made a difference with this council, to be honest. Sure. They could have just been like, ah, uh, yeah, he wrote this six years ago. I mean... Thailand says the same thing about swearing oaths to Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, so maybe it wouldn't have mattered, but. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, it's just a little bit weird for the small council to be deciding on the succession of a house in general. So there's not a ton of precedent for that. Yeah, well, so. we're going to, yeah, we'll get to some of that with Vaymon later and the way he phrases things about you know, the rights of the Iron Throne to rule on a house. Mm-hmm. We'll get to some of that. But just just like Viserys and his need to be clear with his heir, 
it feels like Corliss was not clear enough, at least for this council. Correct. In making this not a deal that they yeah. had to judge on. Yeah. Or it was clear and they just decided to judge on it. This to be like, mm, it's not that clear. I don't know. I didn't understand it. Yeah. Okay. Well, full respect for Beesbury. Hanging in there. Trying. Guy trying to do his job. <laughs> so now we get uh, a really interesting scene with Rhaenyra and Damon coming to visit Viserys in his, um, yeah. well, his near, his near deathbed. It's called mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damon as mostly dead bed. Mostly dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> When's your next run? Thursday. <laughs> there you go, I Chase. I might go for a walk. <laughs> you just wait. He'll be stone dead in a moment. <laughs> Don't they actually like hit a guy and knock out? It's that guy. Yeah. It's yeah. that very guy. <laughs> yeah. I feel happy. I feel happy. For those youths watching this that haven't seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Please go watch it. It's high comedy. Yep. Until the end when it gets really terrible and weird. Right. But that first hour. The is first just hour is brilliant. Pristine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's about the best comedy it gets. <laughs> okay. So uh, Damon waits respectfully outside the bed for the bed a few minutes. Curtains. Yep. To try to be respectful. He doesn't last long, though. He's got to give in and meddle. Hmm. But what? I saw that completely different. Oh yeah, him getting in and meddling. Yeah, just well, the look, the looks on his face. It was almost like he was, he was, he was. I see him. I saw him as visibly affected by. Um, he hadn't seen Viserys yet, but it was like he knew what was coming, and he wasn't. He wasn't ready for it. Like you saw him, like looking out of the mm. corner of his eye, kind of like peeking in, and then he'd like turn away. Like he had to steal himself before following Rhaenyra in. I didn't um, see that. I thought it was. I thought it was a moment of respect for a daughter with her father for a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also thought I he knew that, that he knew that Rhaenyra wasn't ready for knows. him to just like jump in and start talking. Well, no, but also that she Shop. was maybe maybe that she wasn't ready to upset him by bringing up the matters of state that needed to be discussed and that he had the steel to do it right yeah she right her dad she doesn't want to bother him when he's sick and yeah let them have a moment i totally see that too Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean it could be a little of both could be a little bit of both i saw like this this um almost like a progression for damon in this scene that's what i'm talking about the range that i i felt like i saw from matt smith this episode it's like he he had to steal himself before he went in and then when he goes in you just see the sorrow on his face yeah like for the first time well maybe since emma's funeral you see real sorrow on damon's face yeah and it it's almost like he has to like wait a second and then i like your you saying though that he's doing it out of respect for rhaenyra too but then it's almost just like, you know what? I got to just say something. And so he just immediately jumps to the business of the stepstones. Like, I can't dwell on my feelings. I don't want to give the impression that I'm here for this sentimental visit. And now I'm all sad about you. Like, I just need to get into business and do Damon things. But even as he's getting into that business, he stutters, right? There's mm-hmm. like, he kind of stumbles over his words a little bit. And he keeps looking away from Damon at Viserys at first. He keeps like kind of looking down and then he'll look up, then he'll look back down again. 
And then as the scene progresses, though, it's like he gets more courageous or more used to seeing Viserys in this state. And, you know, by the end of the scene, he's right next to him, giving him his tea. But it's almost like this very gradual progression into from discomfort to, okay, this is reality now. Even giving the tea, though, that's like an action, right? As an actor, Mm -hmm. we're taught like there are actions and there are emotions and the actions you take have to drive what you're doing, but, but they can also uh, lead to your emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Viserys, or, uh, sorry, Damon, I think is, he uses the business to shield dealing with the emotion. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have to, I don't have to deal saying. with, I don't have mm-hmm. to deal with the emotion if I can just talk about the business. Absolutely. And, and yep. I can give you tea cause I'm just giving you tea. I'm not giving you comfort. I'm just giving you tea. It's not comfort. Right. It's just tea. Um, right. And so I, I think there's some of that, but, but you can also, you're right. You can see it in his face that he's trying to, to contend with this. Like we also, grapple with this reality of his emaciated brother. Yeah. And this, this is also the first look we get at Viserys in this episode, I think. Yeah. It. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been so long, he says. Yeah. And it's been six years and it's like, oh my God, like he just wants his family around, but also he didn't send for them and so to me it's like this is this whole episode is Viserys in a nutshell like he can he can have the moments he can have the dramatic impact like when it counts but it's the years in between where he did fucking nothing yeah that that affect everything all this festered Viserys while you did nothing you needed to ask for them to come five years ago heal this before now you're waiting yeah. way too long like if you you, you don't like i want to say you don't get my pity because i do pity him he's obviously had a really rough time but like you can't wait on things like this if you want your family ask for them if you think there's a rift that needs to be healed heal it you can't you can't sit on stuff like this and we'll see why later. We'll, we'll come back to it at the dinner scene. But I agree. Yeah, it, it reminded me of Rhaenyra and his relationship that we talked about quite a bit in those first couple episodes where he would wait what turned out to be months or years yeah. to have these conversations. Meanwhile, resentment's festering. And then you just have these blow-up scenes every six months or every year or whatever because you've been bottling it in. Now, we don't get to see everything that happened in these six-year time period. There's probably a time of sincere anger from Viserys that his yeah. daughter and his brother went and eloped without him even knowing. Yep. And I imagine there's a lot of resentment over that. Um, betrayal, even feelings of betrayal and lots sure. of different things going on there. But I agree with you that six years is six years. And... um as Viserys is facing his own mortality now, <laughs> looking at dead in the face yep. with one good eye. Man, I was really touched by how he just kept saying Damon over and over again. Uh-huh. He said it probably four or five times. Damon, uh-huh. Damon, Damon. Just, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, a relationship just kind of off the rails, right? That mm-hmm. could have been better. Certainly could have been worse as well. So the other thing that happens in this uh, scene is that they introduce the grandbabies mm-hmm. to Viserys. And to Matt, us. I, and to us. I've got some questions about this. I wonder if you have any similar questions. Okay. 
Do you have any questions about this? N not necessarily. Tell okay. me what I'm missing here. Okay, well, we we don't get great looks at these babes. Yeah, they're quick. Very quick. Are they twins? They are in fire and blood. Just no, to they're not. Spoil that for anyone. I can see. I'm trying to picture them now in my head. Um, they look very similarly aged to me. Aegon is kind of further back in the scene, and Viserys is forward in Rhaenyra's arms. Well, they bring them both yeah. up, I think. I think Aegon was always kind of behind, and she's like, that's Aegon okay. back there. Almost. Okay, well, there, there's a moment and where she says, and this is Viserys, and I figured uh -huh. they switched them and brought the it, other one. It could be. It so could maybe be. that's why I'm fooled into thinking they're twins. I'm like, that looks like the same baby. <laughs> the same the same age. <laughs> Um, same so clothes maybe, and everything. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm fooled. No, I, I, I could be too. I don't know. I don't know. But, but are they? So my second thing is, are these kids a secret? Does Allison know? Does Otto know that these kids exist? We don't see them again. They don't present them to anyone else. Just, right. just to Viserys. Right. Um, they, that's a good question. Like, they could be. In Fire and Blood, it's a big deal, right? Uh, Rainier names her kid Aegon, and Allison's I'm, like, fuck you, I have an Aegon. And one of the few disappointments I had with this episode is we don't get to see Allison's reaction to <laughs> yeah. Rainier naming her yeah. kid Aegon. But, but I wonder, I'm, maybe this is for the spoiler section, I should have saved it, but like, I wonder, I, I wonder if that's something that will come to us, is like, that yeah. they didn't know these heirs even exist. Right, yeah, that could be. I like that. I like that idea. I hadn't thought of it. Okay. Cool. I like it. There's probably something that makes it clear that they knew, but I missed it. But mm -hmm. I didn't see it. Uh, it was a very sweet scene. Oh, yeah. Meeting the baby. And when and Patty when... is just pristine. Yeah, in an awful way. Yeah. Uh, when Viserys meets his namesake. That's just so lovely. A name for a king. Yeah. 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 Um, and to note, listeners, Aegon and Viserys, blonde hair, whitish hair, Targaryen hair. Don't get a good yeah. look at their eyes. Uh, they kind of downplay the purple eyes thing in this. Um, but the book makes it clear that Viserys and Aegon are... Dark purple eyes and pale silvery hair. So, and Damon also, the book makes more clear, has finally his male heirs, right? Yep. N not that you and I don't love Bela and Reyna, uh, but the book makes it clear that's important to him, I think. Right. Um, so now we get a very different scene. Before, before welcoming Rhaenyra and Damon, Allison goes to tend to some chores. Yeah, she gets a a, a, a little chore, interruption chore, from a cargyle. Chores um, is too caustic. Yeah. I shouldn't have said chores. Sorry, that's a really that's a really bad way to look at this scene. Yes, some, but um, to your point, uh, Diana, the serving girl's terror leads me to believe that stuff like this has happened before, and Allison's reputation precedes her. Um, this girl was inconsolable. She was hyperventilating. She was freaking out. 
Yeah. Oh, you you mean that there are rumors amongst the serving people that like if you get caught doing this, Allison is terrible. Allison, that kind of thing. Will uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. I didn't. I didn't think about that. I did make jokes on Twitter about like, oh, this is the same bag of gold she gives to every maid that she murders. Like, hold this for a few seconds while we murder you, and then I'll take it back and give it to the next girl. Right, right. So let's I, talk about that. Yeah. The I mean, seven. I, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, I was no, going to say she wears this big seven-pointed star necklace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it features prominently on her almost throughout the episode. She wears a smaller one later. Um, she doesn't quite feel like a zealot or like a religious fanatic, but she definitely has started using religion as a shield. Mm. Um, but uh, to to maybe hide some of her deeper rooted transgressions. So. I think, Scad, you're of the opinion that she had Diana killed. Yeah, I mean, I, I jumped to it probably faster than I should have really, really just unburied the lead really fast, mm-hmm. um, which is less compelling podcasting probably. But hmm. yeah, I mean, so so this girl tells this terrible story about how she was raped sorry, mm-hmm. by Aegon. Uh, Allison, I mean, I, I think, you know, seven-pointed star hiding her transgressions aside, I think Allison looks at this girl and believes her and really has compassion for her. I, I don't Agreed. think those things need to be mutually exclusive. But what must needs be done must needs be done. And I think as soon as she starts in with the, what others might believe, as soon as she starts in this questioning about what other people might believe and how they'll think you're behaving and Maybe you were just trying to get, you know, the son of the king in your belly. And all the, as soon as she starts going down that line of questioning, it feels like her motives have shifted to me. Mm-hmm. And I think she murders her. I mean, I, 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 there, there are some things that happen a little bit later that make me more certain of that. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the two things really that, that say it are, she, she says, uh, I know you won't. Yeah. When, when the girl says, I won't tell anyone else or I'll keep this mm-hmm. or something, she says, I know you won't. And then she gets the tea and then she turns around. There's like one line in between the I know you won't and best to be certain. And best to be certain is, you know, mm-hmm. it could be, it could mean best to be certain that you don't have a child. But I think she's talking to herself. Best to be certain, I'm going to kill you. And if you watch Allison in this scene, she is steel. She is hard. The way she's her, looking down, her, way she's down looking at her. And, mm-hmm. Until the girl starts drinking. And as soon as she does, she's very conflicted. Now also, could she be conflicted about the fact that she's just maybe stealing her, you know, taking away her baby? Maybe. But it feels to me more like murder. Um, and, you know, the righteous Allison flinching at the fact that she just murdered someone when she doesn't, when she holds herself to such a high level, you know, is, is part of it. And then we have a a later scene. I'll just jump ahead a little bit. Uh, The later scene we have with Helena, Mm -hmm. where she says, have you seen Diana? She was to dress the children and she just runs up and gives her a big emotional hug. You know, that hug is, Helena doesn't know what's going on. That hug is about Allison wanting comfort, right? Absolutely. Moon tea, I, you know, I don't know. I, 
my wife has had two miscarriages. They were awful. They were painful. They made her a wreck for a day and a half or so each, you know, where she couldn't do much of anything at all. Um, and that's just the physical wreck. And that's just the physical wreck. But I don't yeah. know that moon tea has moon tea a day afterward has the same effect. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. You know, I guess it's unfair to, for me to speculate for sure, but it doesn't seem like moon tea would keep her that same day from coming to dress the children. Feels like she's dead. And that right. Allison has murdered this child. Mm-hmm. It's just my opinion. I know other people feel differently about it, but it, yeah. it also plays against, I think it was the very recent, the very last episode before this, where mm-hmm. Ray says, I can't imagine Allison committing cold-blooded murder or something like that. She's on the beach with Damon walking and Mm-hmm. I talked for a long time. What do you think, Matt? <laughs> I, for many of the same reasons, I, after I watched it the first time, was sure that Diana did. She yeah. is no longer alive. I started to talk myself out of it, though, uh, okay. on other watches. To that being said, I'm still not sure. If you, if it was revealed later on that she, that Diana was dead, I'd be like, all right, I, okay, fine. Um, because the way that Allison talks is very much like we must be certain, but then why, why for why pay her if you're just going to kill her later? Is that just to calm her down a little bit? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, yes, in my opinion. And then why give her moon tea if you're just going to kill her? What does that it matter was, at yeah. that point? Well, I think that was poison, not moon tea. Okay, so I think she like killed her right then. Tears of lease or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, I have no evidence. That's just what I imagined. Right. Yeah. So Tears of Lease maybe is in the drink. I thought of that the first time I saw it too. Um, but again, I started to talk myself out of it. Why pay her? Uh, why did she say that to Helena and give her the hug? Um, well, I've got more on that after we talk about Aegon. But I think that regardless, Diana wasn't staying in the keep. I think she was giving her that money. Because she was sending her away, and here, here's your severance package, basically. Um, so I can I can not? see it going that way too. Maybe. Well, you said you have more of the Aegon stuff, so let's yeah, let's go there with Helena. Before yeah. I quibble, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. She walks in, and it's like this is the boy. If she is, if she did murder Diana, it goes a long way to. Well, not a long way, but it adds to the pile of evidence of why she's so furious with Aegon. It's like, I just committed murder to protect you, right? Mr. Naked in bed. It works either way, though. If Mm -hmm. it's the fifth time I've done this for you and covered and done the moon tea and paid money, it works either way. I'm just ticked. And maybe the showrunners want us to be like, did he kill her? Did he not kill her? What's going on here? I don't know. My lamp just auto turned off, so it's getting quite darker for me. I honestly, I'm not, I'm not like this is not a thing where I'm like, oh yeah, 95 percent sure she killed. Mm-hmm. Her. It's more of like a 50-50 thing. Yeah, I can see it the other way. My gut says that she did, but mm-hmm. I can see it the other way. Yep, but she's uh, it's the loose end thing though, right? Best to be sure. Best to be sure. That, mm-hmm. that just, just, just reaches inside me. Pulls the string. Yeah. Makes me think she did it. Uh, <sighs> Aegon himself. Man, this dude has no conscience at all. 
Yeah. Like he's an empty suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I, I, you know, with all her self-righteousness, it's why, like why she's thinking to herself, why do my kids end up this way? I've sacrificed so much. I deserve so much more. And yet I've got this kid right here. Right. She squeezed so tight that they slipped through her fingers. You know, she was so focused on that's a layer what she right thought slipped through your fingers. Um, the tighter you grip, the more systems will slip through your fingers. Exactly. Grandma of Tarkin. But that's what happened. I think she was so focused on preparing Aegon to be the king and keeping him, as she thought, alive, protecting him from Rhaenyra. <laughs> that she lost kind of his soul right mm-hmm. and that's where that's what i'm talking about with uh helena is that she's just kind of almost it's almost like she's oh, so just... mad at at Aegon, and you know what does she say to him i thought i wrote it down but maybe i didn't you're no son of mine or whatever yeah. Yeah. that she's just so angry and she and when she says that there's almost a sense of mourning as well and then Helena, sweet, innocent Helena comes into the room. And that's just what she needed in that moment. You know, I can totally see your side too of, of mm-hmm. I just killed the person that you're talking about. But I'll offer an alternate perspective of her mourning Aegon right here. And then all of a sudden, sweet, innocent Helena, a beautiful child. Maybe she's got her quirks, but she's my sweet, innocent little girl. And she just falls into her arms. That's interesting. I'd like to go watch the scene again to see how she reacts when Helena comes in the room versus how she reacts when Helena asks the question about Diana. Uh, about Diana? Fair. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how she reacts in those two moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have a note here uh, kind of hitting a similar tone that you did. Her kids do not share her righteousness. And in my causticness, I said, and it is a joy to watch. <laughs> because there's nothing better than the uber righteous to be brought low. There's right. nothing better. I, and I, It's a weakness of mine, I know. But I hate self-righteous people so much. And it's happening, man. It's happening. It's happening. Yep. Yep. Uh Okay, should we get to Allison finally getting to why she left the council meeting? Yes, with Which one quick note that I go hate. greet her guests because I liked. I there were parts of Aegon that I liked before this episode. Yeah, now. he is. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! He was he was well, a little mighty. dick, but he was kind of playful and funny and like you know sarcastic. He was a like, teenager. I don't, I don't yeah. want this, you know. But mm-hmm. like now he's yeah, he's just disillusioned, bitter, and mean. Now yep. and well, I mean, let's say what he is. He's a rapist, so for sure, you know, I, I like. There's nothing about him. There's nothing about him to like anymore. No redeeming qualities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, before you got very much the sense that uh, he's he's kind of a victim of this power struggle and everything, and yeah. now it's hard to feel, even if he still kind of is. He has made plenty of victims himself, yeah. and uh, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't get my sympathy. Um, then we get an icy reunion we do. between Rhaenyra and Damon with Alicent. Mm-hmm. 
the three are not really happy to see one another. No. Um, uh, another masterclass by Matt Smith, I feel <laughs> like, in this one. You know, in a lot of scenes, he's just kind of pretending to be very aloof and waiting to come in with a little jab. He's sitting down in this scene while his pregnant wife is standing up next to him. Mm-hmm. And you can just feel like this simmering frustration and anger, but he's holding it in, which is Damon has sometimes been okay at, but he's somewhere between like frustration and fully blowing his top, but he's just like frustrated. And which is also something you haven't often seen with Damon. He's been holding it in since they weren't greeted. Right. Right. And then as he's watched and seen all the, Targaryen heraldry ripped down and as he's had a conversation with Viserys and seen how brought low his brother has been mm-hmm. and blaming the people in charge of his care for it he is it's amazing he's not slicing heads off already to be that's honest. what I mean is the old Damon would go and kill everybody perhaps yeah. but uh, this one is just like and he's saying his words very much like this you know mm-hmm. what I mean it's yep. like is that why you pulled down all the Targaryen heraldry? Very and... pointed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's mad. They've gotten under his skin. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting to note that their concerns, Damon and Rhaenyra's concerns, are kind of similar to Vamon's. They feel like the Targaryen ancestry and history is being lost. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've been away for six years, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it doesn't even exist here anymore. Right. Right. And Vaymond is worried about kind of the same thing. With the Valarians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You guys want the same things, man. Um, <laughs> we all want the same things. Our that kids to grow up healthy Craig and happy Finley. to feed them. Yeah. Yep. But uh, anyways, I don't have a ton of notes about this scene other than I, I loved Matt Smith's stuff here. I thought it was great. The only note I really have is at the end of the scene, Rhaenyra asks Alicent who will be sitting in judgment on the claim for Driftmark tomorrow. And Alicent takes no time to, to answer. She says, mine. Me? Um, You're looking at her. You know, she's in charge here. She's essentially the king at this point. I mean, she, she says she's not ruling, but then out of the other side of her mouth, she says, it's my judgment that's going to, and, and it's her autos, she says, yeah. that's going to decide this. And that prompts, I think, Rhaenyra to take her late night visit to Viserys, which we'll see later, because she sees the resolve in Allison's eyes based on this answer. And so good on her for asking who's going to have the judgment and good on her for perceiving Allison's answer as what it is. Yeah. The and going truth. to DEFCON yeah, 6. <laughs> that it's already decided and you better do something. <laughs> yep. Right? Right. Yep. No. You need a Hail yeah. Mary now. We'll talk about that. Uh, I agree with you very much. Um, then we move to Jason Luke reacquainting themselves with the uh with the keep. Um, Jace is excited, Luke is very self-conscious of all the looks that they're getting. Jace has moved on from that appearance part. He's he's his his resolve has well, he hasn't fully moved on because it comes up at dinner, but um he's he's better with uh the looks that they get. Um 
he's resolved to just being a Targaryen, moving beyond the physical. Luke, of course, is still conscientious of his looks. Speaking of looks, we get our first look at grown-up Aemon Targaryen. Yeah, so before we go there, uh, yeah, uh, Jacera says, it doesn't matter what they think. When Luke mm-hmm. is saying, they're all looking at us. What are they thinking? Something like that. If I only looked more like Leonor, uh, and Jay says, it doesn't matter what they think. And it reminded me of Rhaenyra at the play in the streets when, when Damon took her out. It mm. doesn't matter what the public mm-hmm. people think. I'm the queen. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They don't. Their opinions do not matter. Nice callback. I like it. Mm-hmm. We call that a reach around. Yep. On this yeah, podcast. On this podcast. Yep. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about Amon and the fight? I do. The book says that despite the loss of his eye, Amon had become a proficient and dangerous swordsman under the tutelage of Sir Criston Cole, but remained a wild and willful child, hot-tempered and unforgiving. <laughs> These two are going at each other in the yard. They're like swinging to kill. <laughs> How far do you want me to go, Matt? Because... I've never stopped you before, buddy. <laughs> this is... I know, listen, I've seen feedback online that people disagree with me on this, but I do not believe Kristen Cole would be sending no fewer than five of these strokes in deadly range of Aemon's face. Mm -hmm. An air that Alicent and Viserys, well, Alicent at least, and Otto, I suppose, have been making sure comes of age and becomes this warrior for 18 years they would not, he would not be throwing a full on metal ball with spikes star. on the end yep. at his face over and over again in case he tripped and leaned into one or misjudged the distance or yep. something. No helmet, nothing. They, no help. Get, okay, get a wooden ball with no spikes on it. Okay, that can simulate the weapon, get a helmet on him, and train as if this is real. Exactly. You, That's what I'm getting this, at with this, this scene. Makes is they're swinging no, the kill. Goddamn sense. It makes no sense to me, Matt. It takes me completely out of the scene. I know they think it's impressive and it's like, ooh, Game of Thrones action and battle and ooh, ah. No. It's better it's on tape. Yep. Fucking stupid. It takes me out of the scene completely. I'll just leave it at that. And mine is just more tempered. Like, yeah, I thought it was dumb. Like, where are you? Sw- <laughs> like, slow down, dude. Like, this is a prince you're swinging your uh, ball at. I will say, though, Amon's attitude is hardcore. I love sure. to see it. He doesn't even look away from Kristen Cole, who he's holding at sword point when he says, nephews, have you come to train? He just knows they're there with his one eye. Like he somehow, somehow in the middle of the battle, he spotted them, which is amazing. Right. And he it's pretty badass. That yep. moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's it you don't like how much you're kind of like, this guy's kind of cool. Yeah. He looks great. He looks awesome. Um, I mean, it, great it's the same line. way we feel about Damon sometimes. Great jawline. Yeah. Very good jawline. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Prince. You'll be winning tourneys in no time. I liked that little job from yes. Kristen Cole. Um, then we get a, a little tiny scene of Veyman shooting his shot, right? Behind closed doors. He gets an exclusive meeting prior to the public hearing. Yeah, Uh, they don't all get that, do they? Did did they all get a private session to make their claim first? I don't know. To make deals? I don't know. Doesn't seem fair. Maybe that was when Allison was with 
Rainier and Damon. I don't know. And I, like, I, love, I gave you a chance. I love Allison's unease. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like doing this behind closed doors. I don't. Okay. But I guess for the good of the realm, I guess we have it's for to. the good of the realm. I guess so. And, on, and Allison's. how you're talking about how Otto has the small council under his thumb. He, he repeats basically word for word what Thailand said in the small council meeting mm. about you want a child at the command of the greatest fleet in yes. Westeros go right ahead again that's Thailand's job not Luke's job it's like there are pamphlets but whatever yeah <laughs> but so uh, essentially in the scene Vaemon promises the fleet to Alicent if they give him the Driftmark throne correct correct sorry the Driftwood throne my bad mm-hmm. yeah yeah and Allison, I confess a certain uneasiness now that this is at hand. Yeah, well, sorry. You just murdered a girl, in my opinion. Allegedly. You don't have any you don't have any conscience unease that you need to worry about. Right. right. I think she does feel a little bad, but yeah. Yeah. This is great for these two parties. You know, just to state the obvious, Vaemon gets Driftmark and the High Towers get to cast further doubt on the legitimacy of Rhaenyra's sons. Um, Rhaenyra was right, what she said to Damon back on Dragonstone of if Luke has called into question, Jaceres will be called into question, which means I'll be called into question. That's why the High Towers are willing to to do this with Vaemon, is it gives them an in. Because she's also, right. You question prob- Luke, you question all of them. Probably less important, but they also get a fleet. And all the accompanying riches of House, uh, house Valarian, Valarian yeah. which yep. is, I think they've said, is the a richest lot. house in Westeros. Yeah, I think in Fire and Blood, yeah, I don't remember what they've said in the show. In Fire and Blood, they, they say that it became, for a time, the richest house in Westeros. Yeah, right up there with Lannisters. And, and High Towers. I mean, yeah. High Towers, yep. So... So moving on, now we get Rhaenys and Rhaenyra kind of having their own little back council meeting. And uh, we must point out, Skad, where does this scene take place? In the Ghostwood, we're back, Matt! You missed it. It's back, I'm so buddy. excited. I don't know what this means, but I'm doing it. It's, it's a guy <laughs> unscrewing two light bulbs. I was going to say, I think you're changing some light bulbs there, buddy. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I've missed the well, that's what it's been, two or three episodes. It really uh, has. They, they try to prove me wrong, but now we're back. Yeah. And I'm happy we're back. Yeah. And you see Rainey's... on Driftmark, so here we are. You see her kind of like gazing at the godswood thoughtfully, or at the heart tree, I should say. Almost like her gods have failed Ooh. her. Maybe she'll try these guys for a while. I don't know. I'm Ooh. joking. <laughs> or, or she's legitimately talking to... Blood Raven or Bran. She's or a green seer. Is yeah. that? I feel like that was a spoiler, but that's like way. Yeah. I think that's tinfoil enough that it could okay. belong here. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. So they bring, she brings Rayana to, to see her grandmother and get the sense that they soften her up a little her bit. In six yeah. years or mm-hmm. a few years. Um, Rainus doesn't hold back. She accuses Rainera of. Mm, essentially of murdering Leonor. Yep. Rhaenyra fights back and says she, didn't, she, she loved Leonor. 
I did not yeah. order his death, nor was I complicit in it. I swear this to you. Sneaky language. Mm, yep, super sneaky. Sneaky language. It's kind of the, the language that she used in this same location, the Godswood, yep. when she was denying things about Damon with Alicent. A right? similar note, lying in the Godswood again. <laughs> this is a pattern for Rainier. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. But I wondered if she had to. So the, the lie to Alicent and the Godswood that we're referring to when she was lying about basically, well, going out with Damon and what happened there and how innocent it may or may not have been and what happened afterward with, with Kristen, she kind of had to lie. Like, had she not lied there, she would have been in a lot of trouble. Sure. I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe she could have just told Ray and it's the truth here. I, wonder I mean, the there would have been minutes, maybe hours of real anger from Rayness about this. Mm-hmm. But in the end, Joy, her child lives. Yeah. Right? But and so she li- uh, he lives, but you still took him from me. He might as well be dead. I'll never see him again. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, it's fair. But you went you went from a place, it depends on how she processes, right? Everyone processes sure. differently, mm-hmm. maybe, but mm-hmm. he she went from a place At of least he's alive. my yeah. child is dead to a place of my child is alive to a place of he's alive, but I'll still never see him again. Is that better than dead? I don't know. I right feels like as a parent, I would think yes, but also, yeah, I'd still be angry about it. Right. Yeah. Especially if she's been able to find closure or make peace with it. Sure. Um, I mean, probably as a parent, I'd be like, okay, I'm on the next train out. Yeah. I'm going to go find um, my kid. If I have to trek all across Essos to do it, I'll I'd do it. Probably do that. Right. Yep, I mean, I sure. I can't imagine what else I'd do with my life that would be more important than right. finding my way where kid. I mean, I don't know. Hard to yep. say. Maybe. I agree. This leads us back to a conversation that we've had about moments in this show before of it's been six years and you two have never had had this out like this already. Yeah. Like we you've you've yeah. arranged for Bela to be your ward. Like you've obviously talked. Yeah. And and this hasn't come up yet. Yeah, there's a there's a very offhand comment earlier between Damon and Rainier where where they say well, she's taken Bela in out of respect for Leanna, not because she cares about us. Right. So they kind of a half address it, I guess, a little bit. But yeah, you're right. I mean, these time skips, Matt. I mean, I I get why they feel like they have to do them, but it it really goes in for I don't know. I don't want to call it lazy storytelling, but just gaps in storytelling. Yeah, you'd think that this would have been something that yeah. Rainies would have confronted the two of them with much earlier. Yeah, but you can't. You don't have time for all those conversations. How do you Correct. squeeze them in? It's hard. Yep, yep. I completely understand the need for the time jumps. I'm not poo-pooing those. I just it just made me wonder. Like you guys haven't had this conversation like five years ago. Yeah. Um, this is just happening now, and how it must have eaten away at them uh, yes. for all that time. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so. Not not to be missed in this scene. I barely got any notes about it here, but uh, Rhaenyra makes a makes an offer to Rhaenys. She's great at these betrothal offers, isn't she? Pretty pretty mutually pretty beneficial good. betrothals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard not to be good at them when you're offering like 
the queen consort as the mm-hmm. role. It's a, it's a pretty good olive branch to give. Yep. Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned this in the past two episodes, I think, that this does happen in the books. However, it happens much earlier when they are well, very six. young toddlers. Yeah. Jace was four, Luke three, the girls two. I think um, I made the same note last time. I was like, they're like six. And then you gave that. Like four, three, two. Scad, come on. You fix it every time. Thanks, Matt. I don't remember who Adam of Hole is, but, you well, know, I got. So uh, wing? Yep. Yep. More on that later, like seasons later. Um, but yes. yes they, so anyway, uh, if, we, if it wasn't clear, she, betro- she tries to betroth. Jace and Luke to Bela and Reyna. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rayanus doesn't really accept. Nope. And that's interesting. She kind of hems and haws and says, well, I can't really, I can't really stand up to them on this. Yep. We're, we're still behind. We're still, they're still in control. I can't, I can't take this. And Rhaenyra... I'll be punished for it, essentially. It's what yeah. feels like she's saying. Rhaenyra straight up accuses Rhaenys of wanting coming to king's landing to claim the driftwood throne for driftwood chair whatever for herself and rainy's doesn't deny it oh yeah i'm not sure she's wrong about that mm-hmm. so uh her mind will obviously change a little later but we'll get there yeah again going back to that same note rainy's has already lost two kids to this she's very jaded about all of this stuff and yeah so what is she going to do about it well we're going to see in a moment but for her rainies must stand alone like you said after they bring rainiera down after the high towers bring rainiera down and she's sure they will and you know frankly we're jumping ahead a little bit but that would have happened had viserys not shown up in the throne room they would have brought rainiera down it's such a um, it's such a weird thing to well we'll get we'll get to it when he comes we'll get to yeah. it when he comes but Rainey's, in short, she's out to get hers at this point. And yeah, I don't blame her too much. But she's also playing to the power dynamic, right? Like she knows what For the sure. score is. Mm-hmm. She's not going to make a claim like Vayman's about to when the power shifts, even though he knows he's behind and won't win, right? Right. Yep. She's going to play it smart. Yep. That's who she is. And she's not, and oh man. She's got those eyes too. I just love her eyes. Best eyes are just, they say so much. Ooh. She's great. Love it. Love it. Anyways. Vote for her in Song of Madness, everyone. Come on. Massive crush on Eve Best. I've been saying it for like four years. Well, not Eve Best, but Rain is saying that. Song of Madness is going to be awesome this this year. This next year. I have some thoughts about that. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, but the tides are going to change it's going to be amazing here's what i want to do we'll talk about it right now fire and blood characters but nobody from this area in the dance <laughs> just take all the house of the dragon characters out <laughs> come on it'd be fun it would we be know great it'd be fun. annie's the, uh, going all the way Annis. <sighs> so now then- we get rainera uh, fresh fresh off her conversation with allison wherein allison has revealed that she's the one that will sit in judgment on the claim to Driftmark, goes to visit her dad, Viserys, mm-hmm. who is, again, on his near deathbed. Uh, she asks him about their duty to hold the realm united against a common foe, and if he really believes it. Do you believe this? 
because this is freaking hard. It is. And he doesn't really answer her mm-hmm. that question, right? He's there. He's mumbling, but he doesn't really answer that question. Yeah, he doesn't. And she brings up a good point. Your dream or Aegon's dream is all about uniting Westeros. And we are pretty darn divided right now because you named me your heir. Just I thought I wanted it, but the burden is a heavy one. It's too heavy. Which is interesting because I don't feel like I ever got that impression from Fire and Blood. I felt like Rhaenyra in Fire and Blood always wanted it and frankly believed she deserved it. That it was her Mm -hmm. right, that she was entitled to it. Uh, And that was part of her downfall to me was that she felt entitled when she didn't have to work for it or earn it or deserve it. I get the impression that she got a taste of the good life on Dragonstone, like we talked Mm. about. It seems like they settled in. Are you talking about House of the Dragon or are you talking about Fire and Blood? uh, House of the Dragon. Okay. That they settled into a really nice, comfortable life on Dragonstone. Her and Damon had a good relationship. Kids were great. Damon and her were able to have children together. And then it's and in the back of her mind, she knew she's set to become queen one day, but she yeah. got the taste of just a good life away from politics for a while. And then all of a sudden she's thrust back into it and she's like, this sucks. Yeah. You know, it's overwhelming. She's been there for a day and already she's having these types of conversations and it sucks. But, but also... I'll get torn apart for it a little bit, but it should suck. Yeah, it's not supposed it to be easy suck. at the very least. It shouldn't be if easy. You, if you want the reward, live the pain to get it. Mm-hmm. You don't get vacations for six years and then just come waltz in and be like, okay, it's mine. Like she hasn't earned. Oh man, I'm going to eat alive. She hasn't earned anything. She hasn't done anything to earn being queen of, of, the, of Westeros. Correct. Absolutely. That's, that's indisputable, especially over the six years you, as she was on her way, you know, she was being included in small council meetings and stuff like that, but you've been gone. The Hightowers have been been running the show. And so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's still not hers. I'm I'm not saying she's the heir. She shouldn't be the heir and she shouldn't be queen. I'm saying her actions have not befit the person that should be heir. Right. I still think she should be. She's who Viserys named. She should be heir. She should inherit. But she hasn't earned it. Let's not kid ourselves about that. She hasn't done jack shit for like over a decade. Mm-hmm. And at this kingdom. And at this point, she's like, I've tasted that good life. And man, if this dream thing isn't real, I think she's sincerely thinking to herself, I'll let Allison have it. I'll go back yeah. to Dragonstone. If, if dad, if this isn't a real thing, yeah. If this isn't deeper rooted in our great 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 grandpa, then I'll go back to Dragonstone and Damon and I will raise our kids and we'll be happy. I yeah. think she's thinking that right now. She's she's at least teetering on that edge. I agree. And that's an interesting departure, I think, from Fire and Blood, which I don't mm-hmm. get ever get that impression about. Right. Yep. Did Viserys, I like it. uh, it's it's definitely a more human element than we get. Sure. Right. Yep. It's, it's interesting. Did Viserys in this scene, I, I couldn't quite hear him, maybe. Did he call her his only child? Mm-hmm. Yep. Good lord. Yep. I mean, I know he's, you know, 
he's struggling with lots of things here. Yeah, I'm not, gonna, I think, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of that. Yeah, but but it but it I think it does. Given what we know about his relationship with his, his other kids, it's a big failure from Viserys. Mm-hmm. He never bonded with his other kids. With yeah, it led to, and I think it led to, <coughs> at least partially. Sorry, everyone. At least partially to those to his kids resenting Rhaenyra and her children. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Sins of the parents. And Viserys isn't immune to those. We often uh, pin it on Alicent, um, and she certainly played her part. But Viserys's inaction with his children, I think, played a big part too. We'll come back and, to that too at the dinner scene, right? Yeah, for sure. And we we definitely get glimpses of the love that Viserys continued to have for Emma after her mm-hmm. death. And in his mind, you know, he had children later, he was married later, but uh, Rhaenyra was the child he had with the love of his life. And yeah. that, that holds true. Yeah. But yeah. And we'll, yeah. The last doesn't make scene. it right. It doesn't justify what he says. Mm-hmm. Not at all. But, um, or the, doesn't justify the way he's treated Aegon and Amond and Helena over the years, but that's yeah, where this, his head this is neglect at. has impacts on the kids and Allison both, and Absolutely. it's going to have major repercussions. The whole forward. thing, yeah, the whole thing. But like we uh, alluded to, this is a woman at the end of a rope. Um, she's forcing Viserys to see this through. Uh, we mentioned Allison spurred this, and this conversation she just had with Rainey's spurred this into action too. And so Rhaenyra, in turn, is going to spur her dad into action. Yeah, by saying, defend me and my children. Yeah. If you want me to be in control, defend us. Stand the and F up and he's a mess, but I think happen. he hears this. I think it echoes in his troubled oh, dreams and his state. Absolutely. And it rattles around in his brain. So the next morning he's thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I don't if Rhaenyra hadn't done this, I don't think he makes the walk. I don't think he plans the dinner. I don't think he does any of it. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. Yep. Keep it that way. <laughs> we disagree so nicely, though. Yeah, it's true. Um, then, oh, then we get the scene that's just hard to watch, right? Um, King Viserys being tended to physically. Uh-huh. That leprosy, if indeed it's leprosy, as Patty Considine revealed it was Constantine. How do I say his last name? I fumble it every time. I think it's just Considine. Considine, okay. Or Considine. Let's pick, yeah, Considine. Considine, Considine. I'm going to say Considine. That's what I'm picking. I mean, you're saying it without an accent, so it's wrong regardless. You're right. Uh, He is a mess, that poor guy. Yes. Man, he is eaten alive. And he requests a dinner, and Otto says, Your Grace, it's morning. It's like like nine o'clock, man. Come on, Dick. Like, he knows. Yeah, right. Like it, it really gives you a sense of how placating and just that they are with him. Like they're just but also condescending. Condescending, yeah. yes, that's yeah. a better word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just trying to undermine handling his intellect at every case, right. at, at, like at every at every turn. It's like, ah, well, huh, you thought it was ten minutes ago. It was actually forty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't you feel stupid? You're so stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like just Agreed. making him second guess everything about himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's at least I get that impression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, not much more to say about this scene, although to note, he refuses the milk of the poppy. He does. And we're going to get into this next scene, so why not jump it just a little bit, even though we'll we'll rewind the tape. But when he entered that hall, I missed it the first time I watched it. I didn't put two and two together that he refused milk of the poppy beforehand. And I even thought to myself, as Viserys is walking through the hall to take the Iron Throne, that I'm like, that guy is hopped up on milk of the poppy to be able to be doing this. Mm. But from what we get here, he wasn't. Yeah, perhaps so, not. Yeah. Right. So should we get to that? Or do you have anything else about this? Uh... The, the only thing I had is just a, you know, a note, you know, the family dinner concept is a, I don't know what, how big a, a deal it is in other cultures besides, you know, the U.S., but it's kind of a big, you know, Sunday dinner around the table, get everybody together that can come and we'll share a big dinner and kids and it's a little bit crazy sometimes, but it's fun and you know, I just get the sense that Viserys, while a bad king, would have been a great kind of family, you know, a, a patriarch in a family. No question. That, that didn't have so much responsibility tied to yeah. him. It's a right? shame like, he had to be the king. Yeah. It's and a shame. He probably still would have looked the other way on like some squabbles that he should solve, even in, in smaller scope, you mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. But but I think he did, his heart is in the right place a lot of the time. I don't want this to turn into a defending Viserys episode because I've got a lot of problems with the way he does things, namely too late, right? And, and trying trying to do things it in off. a grandiose manner instead of yep. dealing with them the day they should be Just dealt with. Consistency, yeah. But his heart is good, and he wants his family to love each other. That's all. We Which is an opinion this podcast has held since I think the beginning of these House of the Dragon episodes. I held it before about, House of the Dragon. I, we've talked I, about Viserys' good heart. I felt that from, from Fire and Blood, that I, that he is just a man with a big heart that wants to have fun and enjoy his family, but can't handle the responsibility of a kingdom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the Fire and Blood Viserys is very much the jolly ruler. Yeah. And Patty Considine's Viserys is a little more tempered. But. tempered and and thoughtful and uh i dare say battered and haunted frankly sure. by responsibility yeah. mm -hmm. um shall we proceed to the throne room please yeah one uh, of two major scenes of this episode yeah um, notable that rainier is wearing black allison's wearing green Notable in the sense that it's constant. <laughs> Rhaenyra, well, I feel like, isn't always in black. No, yeah. But she right. was noticeably in black in this episode. You're right yeah. about Alicent. She's got one color. She sticks with it. After that blue dress, she kind of... Yeah. After that one. Uh -huh. And she tried out red for a while, back when she was... A little bit. A little trying bit. to fit in with the Targaryens, but yep. then she went full green. Um, Vaymond is invited to make his claim. Yep. This is about the future and the survival of my house. I don't know how much more we need to talk about it, but you can be sympathetic to what Vaymond is saying here, even if, you know, we've been conditioned to cheer for Rhaenyra. I think Vaymond's argument makes total sense to Vaymond. Mm -hmm. I think in the grand scheme of peace in the kingdom, maybe it doesn't make sense, but 
if you're looking at it from a Valerian blood perspective, there's not much of a better option than what Veymond is proposing. Yeah. Now we'll get to another option that I think makes some sense that kowtows to, you know, Rhaenyra's request of her of her non-Valerian blood children, frankly, taking taking control. That eventually there's going to be Valerian blood back in the mix, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But from Veymont's perspective, I totally get it. This yep. is it. Like if the Targaryens were in a similar place, they'd be arguing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. He's a male. He's you know the second son, which I like that they did that here in Fire and Blood. Veymont is one of many nephews, and in this they raise those stakes by making him. Corliss's brother, his mm-hmm. next youngest brother. And I like that, raising those stakes a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, just to, to put this back in Viserys's perspective for a minute, um, you know, and, and why Patty's been backing this goal the whole time, you know, Vaymond isn't really wrong. We just said that. From his perspective, willful ignorance of this clear, false claim of the strong boy's not being strongs and instead being Leonora's blood it's it's damaging his house it's killing his house it's willful ignorance and we should all be able to call it what it is see it for what it is but the reality is that to Viserys he's chasing a bigger goal he's worried about the Song of Ice and Fire he's worried about his line not being called into question he's worried about greater stability right and so Veymon's concerns, while legitimate, are secondary. Right. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Sorry, man. It's, yep. I get what you're saying, but I don't care. And it's all in the bag. Yep. Until the doors yeah. open. Yeah, so I guess I jumped a little bit forward. They're about to rule in Veymon's favor. Right. Mm-hmm. They're going to let Rhaenyra say her piece just yes. to say they let Rhaenyra say her piece. But and Otto I and Alison are for that. sure going to give it to Vaymond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the doors open and they're stooped over. Vigo like King Viserys. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean this as a compliment. He reminded me both of. Master Splinter in the Ninja Turtles movies, and also Yoda in Attack of the Clones when he comes walking in to challenge Count Dooku, kind of stooped. You don't expect much, not physically imposing, but you see a resolve to him that's just like, I'm here and I'm going to do something today. Uh, Fire and Blood said, it's of course the opposite physically about King Viserys. The book said King Viserys had grown extremely fat and red of face and scarce had the strength to mount the steps to the iron throne. Um, you see him with scarce the strength to mount the steps to the iron throne, but of course it's for a different reason. So mm-hmm. the opposite end of the physical spectrum. Right. So he does this walk as he comes in. I said, it's, it's like, it's Vigo like when he, parts the huge doors but it's not mm-hmm. like that at all no nope. he walks in like a hero and and viserys walks in like a hero of a different sort of so i suppose yeah not yeah not swagger and and strength but um calm 
resolve Confidence and power and resolve yeah mm -hmm. it's two minutes and 37 seconds matt that we are glued to viserys walking from the top of those steps to the iron throne before he sits down really actually, yes two minutes i would have given it a minute seconds. wow okay a long time i timed it okay and it's just asking the audience to just wait for this to happen to drag it out and it's wonderful television it's it's i mean like you said you wouldn't even have guessed it was a minute it's amazing to watch it happen because it's not because your eyes aren't just on him you get shots of allison you get shots that's of the thing yeah the reactions to him walking all these people and <laughs> and those are interesting allison cares i don't like i've been hard on allison and a lot of these episodes have been harder tonight but i've never said that she doesn't care about viserys to some degree Correct. she does we've she seen cares that. about him yep. like as a caretaker at least as as someone that she's bonded with to some degree as a human right that they share some things in common that they've dealt with hardship together you know i think she resents him in a lot of ways a right. lot of ways but and she cares about him still Go they've ahead. been they're those that couple that's been married for a long time that get annoyed with each other and bears resentment towards each other. We saw this very much the last episode. Remember how she was kind of like really physically like making him comfortable where she's like yes. throwing the blanket on him and then like flatten in the pillow behind him and everything. And they feel like they've been married a long time in the sense yeah. that they're kind of, you know, snippy with each other sometimes, but also very much dedicated to each other in some sort of way. And you see a bit of that with Allison, for sure. I say this about my parents, and I hope they never listen. I, they've threatened to recently, so I hope they don't, actually, because if they heard this, it would maybe crush them. But I, I'm not even sure she likes him. I'm not even sure she likes Viserys anymore sure. at all. But she still cares about him. Right. Right? Like, those are different things. And, you know, my mom has had to, had to deal with my dad, who's been in some really rough spots in the last well, frankly, eight years or so physically. And she's had to take care of him. And I think, you know, some days I think she resents him, like how much work she has to do. Right. She still loves him. She still cares about him. But some days it's like, ah, oh, I really don't like you. Mm -hmm. You know, some days. Yeah. And, and I think you can see that with Allison in some scenes, but you can, as he's walking and just struggling to get there, I think you can see that she cares. Otto is pissed. Yep. Otto doesn't have a whole lot else going on other than this fucking guy ruining my plans. He's just like, crap. Yep. Rhaenyra, I don't know. I feel like it's awe almost. And thanks. How is he doing this? He came. An appreciation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. But still, like, is he even going to make it across yeah. Yeah. this walk? You know? Yeah. So, so he heard his daughter, right? He heard his daughter that night and he decided, I've got to make an entrance. I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to settle this so it goes the right way. Yeah. Right. And yep. he gets to the stairs. He drops his crown. And who's there to help him, Matt? Beautiful scene with Damon picking up that crown, helping him the rest of the way, placing the crown on his head. Stark contrast to the last time they were there and a crown was involved when Damon was kind of flippantly talking about, you know, how he'd been named the king of the stepstones or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh and this is very a very different feel. So 
yeah, I don't have nearly as complicated a relationship with my brother as, as these guys do, but I know if my brother did something like this to help me get through something, I'd be ready to bleed and fight for it, man. Like it was a, it was a big gesture from, from Damon to come do this. Yeah. And yet as, I mean, I'll just say it from my perspective, as terrible as Damon is, it still felt natural. It still felt like something Damon would do. Especially see, in this episode. He does love just his from what we see in this, just from what we see in this episode. True. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like a changed, a shift, a shifted perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It works. Um, I didn't read too into the articles that brought this up, but apparently it was revealed that that moment was ad-libbed. That, yeah. that Viserys' crown had fallen off by accident and Matt Smith took the opportunity and did that and they decided to keep it. Yeah, I heard that too. I heard Patty, I think it was the interview with Patty that someone shared with us where he said he like ran down the stairs to the director and fought for it to be kept mm-hmm. or something. But uh, yeah. So anyway, he so he gets to the throne and he sits in to deal with this matter of succession from Driftmark. And kind of condescendingly says, like, what are you fuckers doing? This has been settled. What is happening? Right. <laughs> Why are we even talking about this? It's, it's a great moment, to be honest. Like, this old guy who's almost dead is like, why are you wasting my time? Right. I don't have a lot of time left, and we're going to spend it on this. Yeah. <laughs> I will sit the throne today. And go ahead. Uh, were you going to Rainey's? Yeah. Him turning it over to her. You know, we've seen him be a little progressive in some ways, naming Rhaenyra his heir and all this. And and he's just like, you know what? Let's talk to the person that knows best, woman or not, in Westeros. Rhaenys. Yeah, it's also just think. a bit pragmatic, which for which sure I know Rhaenys is. But it's just like nobody can speak to this unless someone knows that Corlys has changed his mind. So Rhaenys got anything like this is settled i already said this is settled is there some reason to believe it isn't settled mm-hmm. and then he offers rainus to, to you know to prove that yeah so it's pragmatic progressive i agree but um just kind of very matter of fact like let's see if anything's changed yeah it's something a king would do yeah what um what do you think and i'm sorry if i'm putting you on the spot made rainy's you know kind of change her mind and go with supporting Luke. Well, I think, I think Rhaenys turned Rhaenyra down from the get-go because she knew it didn't matter whether she supported her or not. Alicent was going to rule against her. The, the proposal to, to wed the two wasn't going to change anything in Alicent's mind. But as right. soon as it was Viserys making the choice... As soon as Viserys was on the throne, was that what did it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think Rhaenys is a smart person. She's like, oh, I have someone in my favor making the decision. Great. Let's do this. And oh, by the way, now that the winds have changed before Rhaenyra can retract her offer, let me make sure I cement it. Right. Yeah. She's, she's savvy. Yeah. This oh, is my yeah. girl. She's savvy. 100%. She what she's doing. I thought of that too. Like, she's like, I've got the whole court here in front of me. I'm going to say it right now it. in front yeah. of everybody. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I, I wish, I wish I remember, I can't remember whether we get a, a look at Rhaenyra when she says that if she's if she's smirking or like oh that woman just pulled one over on me or whether she's just smiling at you. we do and I feel like it's okay like she the look you got from her was 
yeah, this is fine. She's like, okay, I wanted it yeah. anyway. The note, the look I did notice was Bela. Bela looks downright pleased as punch. She's like, yeah, let's do this. She looked, I feel like all four of the kids, maybe not in this scene, but at some point I feel like all four of the kids seem yeah. totally content with this. Especially with the dinner scene. Yeah. I totally agree. But I got to say, I won't say. We'll leave, we'll leave it for, for uh, Dragons After Dark. Okay. Um, so yeah, it settles. So it's decided. And Veyman's like, all right, I'm going to go down swinging. He loses it. He does. And it's noble in a way. I kind of. Yeah. He's, he's uh, stating his case. He's not backing down. He He's insolent about it though, right? I mean, he's, he oh, essentially he says he knows he's done. He yeah. doesn't say it in these words, but he basically says the king doesn't get to decide what happens on Driftmark. We do, mm-hmm. which is not really the way kingships work. So take a seat. Yeah. I, I mean, it, know, should, like, it should be just the house gets to decide, but sorry, when you yeah. live in this kind of government, that's the king can do whatever he wants. I mean, we're going to get to it, but the bastards moment is kind of like the moment that we feel like seals his fate, but really just saying you don't have say over what happens at Driftmark is treason enough to kill him. Yep. Uh, but before he even got to the bastards thing, Shelty and I, Eowyn and I both were like, oh, he's got to get dead. executed for this. He's dead. I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's no way he gets out of this. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then you call the kids bastards and then you call Rhaenyra a whore. I mm. mean, you're on your way out, pal. Yeah. You the, get the little moment of Damon saying, like, say it. Yeah, is... that's the old Damon coming back, right? Yeah, we get this yeah. range of Matt Smith, and then yeah. it's right back to old Damon here. Say yeah. It. There say is a note. I don't know if you saw, there's a little moment where Damon looks at Ray Rhaenyra and uh-huh. she looks back at him and just kind of like nods. Yeah. And he looks back and he's just waiting. Like I somebody on Twitter, I think, said like. She's just saying, like, if if he says it, go for it. He's yep. like looking for permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there it is. There it is. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. And and it kind of goes along with the book. The book says she, Rhaenyra, dispatched Prince Damon to seize Sir Vaymond, had his head removed, and then this doesn't happen in the show. Fed his carcass to Cyrax. Uh, so that kind of happened. <laughs> she dispatched him. Nod. Mm-hmm. Surprised they didn't do it, to be honest. They usually uh, kill these scenes of dragons. Doing I, I thought the same thing. I Wouldn't thought that fit would in be... the courtroom, I guess. But No. But... I can't complain. I loved the scene. I thought the scene was really well done. Oh, my goodness. Um, you get a, a really, you know, charismatic, frankly, and and what's the words? Sticking to his guns and, and belief structure, Vaymond, really going for it. and having no regrets and mm-hmm. and then the result is what the result is but I, I really liked the scene yeah the result is he got a more merciful death than he was probably expecting at that point you know he yeah. went into this conversation probably knowing that his death might be a slow long prolonged death of a traitor and yeah. he got off real quickly at, at least a hanging you know right something they, they do beheadings so maybe probably tongue removed first though oh yeah know? true so. Which in Fire and Blood that does happen, right? So Veamond gets burned, but then his his family still, mm-hmm. even after that, travels to King's Landing 
and sues for rights to Driftmark, and Viserys does take their tongues out. He does take their tongues out. <laughs> um, yeah. We get some little things during this scene when he cuts the half of his head off and leaves the tongue there. Oh my gosh. That's Ooh. great, right? <laughs> That's exactly it. Great impression, Scad. I do. Uh, you know, I'm an actor. <laughs> but the look Amon gives Damon there of just hero worship, he wants to be Damon so bad. And we get that first look there. Um, it's almost comical. Helena covers her ears when it happens <laughs> rather than her. You think she'd cover her eyes? She covers her ears. She knows that tongue is still wagging. She doesn't want to hear Vayman say anything. Some um, people are more affected by sounds than sight and, yes. and things like that. So, so it could totally be that. But also, uh, Helena is just a I smiled. Guy. Yep. She's just so you know. sweet. I thought it was just like, like someone she just heard the most vulgar song in the whole world or something yes. and didn't want to. But yes. Covers her ears. I thought that was sweet. Uh, yep. And Rayanus's reaction we get in the next scene. Yeah. Which is interesting. Let's this talk about they her feelings. Well, they could have just thrown this out. They really could have, and probably nobody would have said it. It was a. It's yeah. It's prime deleted scene, cutting room floor stuff. Because Rayanus is not a major major character. I'd call her a secondary character. She's mm-hmm. not someone we've spent a lot of time thinking about her relationships outside of the main characters. But what we have here is someone that has been summarily executed for his opinions that she kind of brought to bear, right? So had mm-hmm. she not gotten up and done exactly what she did, Vaymond may have been able to leave in peace. Right. This is a man that she's had... I mean, she's, he's probably been a companion of hers to some degree for 30 years, having dinners together, you know, vacation time, you know, whatever, discussions, late night discussions with a, a glass of wine, hundreds, if not dozens, if not hundreds of nights together where they just talk, right, with, with Corliss. And it was not strange to her. And she's basically just kind of overseen his death and almost assured it with her actions. And watching her reaction here is just beautiful. It's a really lovely scene. You said it more eloquently than my notes do. He was a total pain to her, but he was still family. (laughs) And she knew him for a really long time. He may have been more pain to her than, than companion. I think that's fair. Which is, which that's the definition of family sometimes, right? (laughs) But I do think you do see uh, those feelings. I think you do see those feelings of grappling with the fact that he's dead. You know, he made the choice in the end to make that outburst. He could have chosen to swallow it and go quietly back to Driftmark and still live as that second son. Um, And he made the choice to seal his own fate. Um, but she she is grappling with that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's her husband's brother. I mean, yeah. imagine those of you with a husband or spouse that has a sibling. Imagine getting them killed. After, I mean, like you a, said, a 30 plus fault. year marriage. Yeah, it's not her fault necessarily, but she had a hand in it. And, yep. you know, that's hard. They certainly weren't united. It's hard. She says, a stranger has visited me more times than I count. 
I assure you he cares little whether my eyes are open or closed. Yeah. Yeah, she's had a lot of loss in the last decade. Mm-hmm. On to happier moments then, to the family dinner. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, we get that opening shot of Alicent and Rhaenyra mm-hmm. seated with, there's a seat between them that's going to belong to Viserys. It reminded me so much of that, the uh, the piece of art in Fire and Blood with the two of them seated next to each other. Um, they were switched in that one, though. I went and found the picture. Alicent's on the right side. And, and it's 20 years earlier or something. And it's a lot earlier. Yeah. Yep. That was at a different feast. Yeah. <clears throat> This feast is the five-year anniversary, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. This feast is in the book. Um, A feast was held on the first day of 127 AC. The princess and the queen were both commanded to attend with all their children, but it does say in a show of amity, each woman wore the other's color, and many declarations of love were made to the king's great pleasure. So, I like that they kept them in there, green and black colors, but. We did see this other stuff. Yeah, but the the declarations of amity mm-hmm. definitely definitely happened to some degree. It took Viserys making his own first. Yeah. Right? yeah. They seem they seem stoic to some degree until he comes out and plays his last gambit, right? His final like, plea, his Viserys' last stand, I called it. How good it is to see you all tonight. You did. You did call it. Uh and a bond between houses. He calls out Jason Luke to be wed to Balin Reyna. They all seem happy with it. And he's just kind of really going into how he holds them all dear. And if they could just look at him as their father, their brother, their grandfather, grandfather, uncle, I guess, husband, uncle, Uh (laughs) that they could just get along a little bit and pulls his mask down to show the face of what he's become and man it's it's very touching and and he kind of it feels like he just in that one speech just kind of brings down the barriers that are present amongst all of these characters so many so many conflicts the eye from Amon, the all the years of you know Allison to Rhaenyra fighting Damon, the conflicts that he has with Viserys, you know, and Otto, and just all of these things, he just brings them down in one speech. And mm-hmm. it's like it's still to me, good job, but could you maybe done this for realsies years ago with many tinier speeches? Yeah. Yeah, there certainly was an impact made with this one and yes. with him taking off his mask and the eye. It was very much, it was jarring. Like it just slapped, especially, I don't think it affected the kids as much, at least not all of them, but it yeah. slapped Rhaenyra and Allison across the face. It was just exactly what they needed. And We've grown so distant from each other. He says. Yeah. Oof. I agree with you about the kids, by the way. They seem less affected. And I would say specifically his own kids. Right. Aegon and Aemond. Uh, less Helena. Um, and less maybe. Jason Luke and the, and the Valarian twins. Less affected. Uh, very you respectful. No, less, um, oh. I should say, more affected. They're 
more respectful for sure. I don't know how emotionally effective they are. They're being respectful of his message, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I think they even said it in the after show stuff, but like, they just don't have a sense of this history. They've been apart for so long. They've been fed these lies, these, um, the angles the of poison. the truth. Yeah. yeah. The angles of the truth that their parents have wanted to teach them. And so they don't really, these words, I think they just have less impact. You know, I agree. Yes. Yeah, and Bela and Reina have never really known him. Right. Yeah. yeah. They grew up across the narrow sea and then on Dragonstone, they've only seen him probably a few times, to- a couple times ever. Yeah. Um, but but, but yeah. you're right about Jason Luke though. And, Bela and Reyna to some degree too, I think. Right. They they sense the tone at least. Even if they don't really get the feeling of it and they can't, they don't have the past memories to link it to and be like, oh, he's calling back to a, a past that was better that I understand. Even if they don't get that, they get the tone mm-hmm. and they're respectful of the tone in in what transpires afterward. Right. But but Rhaenyra and Allison are the targets of his message mainly, and Damon probably. And he nailed it, Viserys. That he nailed the targets. He hit Absolutely. the targets. Totally. Rhaenyra's toast does not come off as lip service to me. No. It comes off as incredibly sincere, recognizing this is what Alicent has always wanted to hear. She's wanted to have her sacrifice, her perceived sacrifice validated, right? Yeah. She just wants to be noted for what she has done and noticed. And Rhaenyra did that. Yes. You know, you've yeah, done, she, totally she, she says you've done more than I have. She gives her that credit. And yes. then uh, what'd you think of Allison's return remarks and Rhaenyra's too? I believed it too. So I believed, yeah. I believe Rhaenyra's. Um, I think Rhaenyra knows that she's been absent. I think she knows that she hasn't done a whole lot to kind of like what I said earlier has, has not done a whole lot to, deserve the position that she has by, you know, by decree from Viserys. Mm-hmm. And she realizes the work that Alicent has put in to kind of keep this realm together. I think she sees yeah. that. And mm-hmm. I think she meant it. Me I think too. she, frankly, I think she could have said more. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alicent really was moved by it. I think that, uh, you know, she, she gives perhaps the most important statement in these mm. terms, which is you will make a fine queen, which is essentially yeah. a submission. It's essentially a submission that I'm going to let you be queen. Right. And that's a big that's move. Huge. It's a big that's move. Huge. And I would say, you know, in Fire and Blood, you know, we don't get any of this in Fire and Blood. There's no, there's no amity between these women past about that, that paragraph that mark. I read <laughs> yeah, about that five-year mark where they have this dinner basically right after that they start growing in resentment toward each other and they're never friends after that they weren't for friends before that I mean Allison was a girl or uh, Rhaenyra was a girl and Allison was a woman essentially before that and so there was no they didn't have anything to bond about one was a kid right, right. And they, they didn't do that in this show and I think that's maybe one of the reasons now is not the time probably for my rant, but uh, I think that was one of the reasons that they made that change, right? To, to show a closeness between these characters that made a moment like this mean more. Mm-hmm. You can, it's easy to come up, Matt, with words that sound good and that sound meaningful and that people can 
rely on in a moment that, that, that they might reflect on later and change their mind about. But when there's a history between these two characters that Allison and Rhaenyra have together, these statements can mean something. They can call back to a history you have, to a friendship you have, to a relationship you have, and they can actually fix things. Yep. If, if they're meant, right? If, they're, if they are deemed to be honest, right? And so in that way, what the show has done by making them closer friends as in their youth is they've made this scene believable. And so that's- I love it. It's a, it's a really good job well done, I think. Yeah, I agree. So this feast does happen in the books, but like I read, it's in a show of amity right and many declarations of love were made it it the reading comes off as very skeptical and very cynical and this was so much more emotionally impactful yeah yeah in that scene we're never meant to believe that they're moving the goalposts at all and in in this one after allison uh says her part after she kind of makes her toast Mm -hmm you see both of them kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Like you see like their shoulders kind of slouch almost like, like almost like that weight was lifted. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of powerful they, they both feel a little awkward. You can almost see like, well, we just kind of bore our souls to each other after having treated each other like ice monsters for the past, however many years, but Wow. I felt kind of good at the same time to get that out. And so, yeah, I think it's three stages, right? It's like, it's like, oh my gosh, that's awkward. How do I do this? Oh, I'm relieved. Oh my God, I have to keep being a human now. I've right. been acting this way for so long. How do where I do now? we go from here? Yeah. What do we do, right? And and I think that's where this, cern- this scene turns a little bit. Yeah. Uh, is that we get the sense that the feelings the mothers have don't really trickle down to the children they're like oh nice oh, yeah. messages or whatever mm-hmm. but you've told me to hate this guy forever is this just a joke or what's happening i still hate this guy the right? kids aren't all right who's my note <laughs> the kids aren't and it's note. and it's the parents it's fault the yeah. parents seemed ready to move on but unfortunately they'd already ingrained that hatred yes. in their children and those yeah, children we, don't have the history with each other, the warm history that Alice and Rhaenyra have. Yeah, Aegon grew up a little bit with Luke and Jace and Aemon too. But no, that history isn't there. It's it's overshadowed by this hatred that's been ingrained in them for a long time. You have to be carefully taught, Matt. And uh, yeah. that's uh, from South Pacifica Musical, which I know you love musicals. Man, Scad, you are uh, just... Uh, I think I've used you have to be carefully taught in previous podcasts. You probably have. You probably at have. least one. But you know, the message is you don't you don't come by hatred naturally. And the the, yep. the theme in South Pacific is more about racism and and um elitism in you know culturally. But but in this case, you know, it's not that different. They've been taught here to hate these people that they're wrong, that they don't deserve their station, that they don't deserve their place, they're bastards, that we're the expected heirs from Rainier's side, right? They've been taught forever to believe these things. And you get the sense maybe that Jace and Luke are a little more um, amenable to, to just being polite about it, but you still get the sense they hate them. Sure. I mean, let's not forget, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, let's not forget that everything seems like it's maybe gonna go okay, until Luke is laughing at, 
at uh, at Amon, Amon about the, for pig. the pig thing. Yeah, right. Like it might it might have worked out had that happened, right? Anyway, there would be the little japes back and forth with yeah. Aegon making teasing Jace about sex yeah. and everything, but um, the yeah, series wasn't oh noticing any of that. Aegon, oh my gosh! I mean, oh, Jace's Jace, Jace owning him with that toast though was great. He played wait, it perfectly. Oh, you mean just ignoring the job, the, the jab? Well, and then he toasts him. And kind of like punches his shoulder playfully, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then asking Helena to dance. Oh, it was Chef's kiss, good. But but again, like, had he just what if what if instead of asking Helena to dance, if he had gotten up to ask Helena to dance, and Bela had gotten up to ask Aegon to dance. Aegon to dance, yeah, for sure. How much better would that have been? Like if they were just on the same page and not not just winging it, right? It's almost like parents were so irresponsible with this like they could have i feel like they could have helped somehow yeah they could have been like making little like no, you ask yeah her, you do this you something do, no, you do this like <laughs> i mean jace, did jace nothing to stop agon's little taunts right yeah. maybe and she could jace, hear them it's hard to say maybe she, yeah she might not have you know that viserys didn't notice any of it um yeah jace isn't trying to like mend fences let's not call him like no. Mr. Altruistic Good here. He's trying to take jabs at Aegon in a more subtle way and stoke yes. the fire a little bit, you know? Yes. And Amon, for his part, is... I mean, say what you want about the guy, but he's all in on his immediate family role. Yeah. He is the protector of this family. Mm-hmm. He knows what his role is. He stands up as soon as there's a challenge. And makes it makes everyone aware that he's going to attack anybody if anything happens. Uh, he's the protector. He's the battler. He's the defender. He knows his role here. Yeah, this is he's grown from you know last episode when he's the one that yes. sold Aegon out, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, Vagar. I think having Vagar has contributed to that. Having the Definitely. biggest dragon out there. Definitely cock of the walk. I think I called him last episode. Cock of the walk. So we get Helena's toast. Love it. <laughs> which Otto approves of. Helena's <laughs> toast basically says, Hey, to Bela and Raina, you're going to be married soon. Don't worry. It's not that bad. Most of you just ignored, unless he's drunk sometimes. It's like, you, wow. You okay. get this. You hate Otto, but he's so sweet with his granddaughter. You get two moments in this where he's like, Good job. To yeah. her, like, You did he's a like, good kid. Mm-hmm. yep <laughs> and it's different with granddaughters man i've i mean i don't have granddaughters but i know the way like my dad treats my daughter and everything with yep. just they're just the most precious things and yeah. he's so abusive and manipulative to allison and always had been but with a granddaughter yeah. you can do no wrong with a granddaughter like she can do no wrong it's yes. his little sweetheart and it's so funny to see this mask come down when he's around Helena. You only see it happen twice. You see it when he's given her the like the yeah, good speech. And then you see it when he's when she's dancing with Jace and he like he does like a little, a little side clap for her and everything, like yeah. egging her on. Like he's just this sweet little grandpa. Uh and that's that's how grandpas are. But I also don't want to uh I don't want to gloss over the fact that during this toast. 
Helena is painting for the entire family a very bleak existence with a husband that mistreats her completely. Yep. And everyone's just kind of like, oh, yeah. Putting it right out there. Yep. No one does a thing. Mm -hmm. She's basically abused by this guy. And they're just like, oh, well. Yeah. We'll talk about it in Dragons After Dark a little bit, but no one listens to Helena. Mm. Can't wait for that conversation. I will have nothing to add, but I can't wait to hear what you have to add. It's not a ton, but no one listens to Helena, and maybe they should. I smiled so, a lot so during was, this scene. Was the me too? Was, it's was happy. The, was the offer to dance? Was that rude or okay or somewhere in the middle? I think it's sweet for. It's double edged. He is definitely poking at Aegon. Yeah. Okay. But he maybe, and maybe that's the primary reason for him to do this. Remember, Jace is like 14, 15 years old in this. He's he's a boy's dick measuring with another boy, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, Helena's that girl that, as never she just admitted, dance. doesn't get to dance. She's yeah. the girl that's standing off to the side and doesn't ever get asked to dance. Yeah. And this is really sweet. Yeah. And it made her night, that smile on her face when she was dancing with him, the giggles and everything, it made her night. Yeah. Until, of course, everything goes downhill in a couple minutes. But I smiled so much during that dancing scene. And you've got Rhaenyra laughing. You've got Allison kind of stroking Viserys' hand and looking at him in a very caring way. Like you mentioned, that caring is there. you got Otto clapping for Helena. Everything the 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 Bela and Reyna are making googly eyes back and forth and everything with Luke and I guess Jace is dancing. So but it's a very happy moment. And then the smiles yeah. die. <laughs> this is the yeah. last happy moment, maybe. Did you get the sense that Viserys in his watching of this dancing <coughs> excuse me, thought at all about the fact that had he just demanded that they accept the marriage proposal? eight years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it was when Rainier mm. made that proposal of Jace to Helena had things just have gone more smoothly. Had he just said, no, we're doing this. Yeah. I think there is a little bit of regret for not having done things sooner, acted sooner Yeah, because the other feeling is contentment, like, and, and almost victory. He's like, Oh, I did it. Mm -hmm. I did it. Like things are okay now. He gets to go to his grave thinking things are okay <laughs> and because he misses everything that's going to happen after this. Mm -hmm. um, and I think everything that's going to happen like, that he caused sure. in his drug addict. We'll get there. Right. Yeah. 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 He gets to go to his grave thinking like, I fixed it. I, that worked. My final stand was successful. Everything's okay. I think, I think I agree with you. I should have done this sooner. <laughs> So there's that, yeah. Should we get to Amon's strong toast? Oh my goodness. Which is taken out of the books. Yeah, or the book. It is. So not in the book is a pig being served to Amon. And we're talking, talking a 13-year-old joke here. Correct. That I didn't even pick up on the first time I watched it. Like, why is he snickering at him? Mm -hmm. And then I got it later, but a 13-year-old joke or so of, you know, the pink dread, this pig with wings that they presented. So now they've put a pig 
in front in front of Amon to the table, and Luke can't help but snicker. I was like, "Come on, dude! Come on!" Man. Things were going so well. Keep it together. Do you think Amon would have done anything had he not snickered at him? No. Was you don't think he'd have done anything? Nope. He was con- he was content to let the night go. Um. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think he would have. Th- things weren't fixed. Yeah, right. I think he still would have, have done anything then. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he would have made that speech and done what he did. Yeah. No, nope, I don't think so. So Luke doesn't do that in Fire and Blood for those that want to like Luke a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the toast, you want to go into that? Yep. So I don't have the whole text written, but Amon stands up and gives a toast to the very wise. Very loyal. I don't remember the exact words, but it keys on very strong boys. You know he's going to say it. They like yes. pause for a he few pauses, seconds. Pauses, and you're just like, he's going to do it. He's, he's going to do, do it. Don't say it. <laughs> I think Allison even looks at him and says, "Don't." Like she even knows, right? Uh, do you not think yourself strong? He asks them when they yeah. quibble. What? Toast. What? Let's compliment. Yeah. Man. Oh man. Uh after he says it, I think this is there's a there's a little moment where you know Jace punches Amond and it doesn't really affect Amond. It shows kind of you know what a warrior Amond has become. He kind of just like absorbs the punch, doesn't do much to him, and then he just kind of pushes Jace over like yeah. in a humiliating way. And Jace turns around to go back to him, and Damon steps in front of him, and all he does is look at Jace. Mm-hmm. He just like looks at him. And Jace like steps away, like he's done. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that to me shows that Damon has been involved in this family now and in the yeah. raising of these kids. And I'm not saying he was like abused Jace or was, but he's asserted dominance as a father figure to the point that he can just look at Jace and walk him off with a look. And he yeah. did that. And then he turns around he and looks at Amond and he does the same thing. <laughs> I also want to give Jace a little bit of credit. You know, like he gets this insult thrown in his face and he goes right at him. Yep. Despite knowing that Amond is bigger, definitely is better mm-hmm. in battle and combat. And I think in, I don't know the years now, but in this, in this telling of the story, in this telling of the story, he's at least a few years older, right? Sure looks like it. And so uh, good for him. He goes after it. He doesn't hold back. And yep. it's, uh, you know, you can only be brave when you're afraid, as Edward would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Damon also kind of looks Amund back with a look. Right. And walks He's just off. like, come on, dude. What are you going to do here? What are we dancing? Because you don't want that. Mm-hmm. And I saw posts on Twitter about, oh, Damon looks terrified. I'm like, I don't see that at all. No, that's Watched wrong. it a couple times. I don't see Damon. I don't think Amon's really afraid either. They're kind of measuring each other. There's kind of, you know, an Amon breaks and not the time now, maybe, or something. But Damon is, Damon's, Damon's the king here of. A- Amon looked a little bit scared to me. You think? Like he okay. broke his resolve. Like he was looking at him like, I'm going to, I'll face you down, hero, yeah. hero of mine. But yeah. then he, he gets to the point where he's like, okay, I'm fine. I'm, fine. I'm out. He is the one and, that leaves, right? And so sometimes that's looked as yeah. a weakness in those situations. But. And but and Damon kind of looks at, after he's walking away, Damon kind of lets his guard down a little bit like, 
this mother effer right here. Yeah. He could, he could be something. He, he could be something. Pretty impressive. He's got potential. This kid's got potential. I wonder if somehow he's mine. Did I fuck Allison <laughs> at some point? Oh, uh, man. Yeah. I think he sees a kindred spirit. So we've been just kind of going moment by moment here, but, but you know, the summary is that this dinner is falling apart. We right. had, we had tension. We had, we had Viserys kind of removing the tension with this awesome speech. Awesome. Such a terrible word. With, the, with this touching speech. The breaks like down 15 a lot of minutes apiece. Yeah. 15 <laughs> minutes is generous, perhaps. Rhaenyra and Alice had both bought in with their own speeches that kind of helped with that. And the kids didn't really get it. And they kind of introduced some conflict. And now it's basically full-blown anger. Rhaenyra and Alicent are left to pick up the pieces. And Rhaenyra's like, I, you know, maybe I should take my kids away. They don't get it. I'll come back. Right. I get the sense that what she's saying is I'll come back and we'll keep we'll keep sewing this we'll up. We'll keep dialoguing. We'll, we'll keep we'll keep business putting terms. this, yeah, we'll keep putting this together in a yeah. way that makes sense for the kingdom and for us as a family to make sure the Targaryens are united. Like it, I'm reading a lot of context into it, but I feel like that's where they're trying to go. They're holding hands, they're touching each other. Allison says, we would love that if you came back. We would um, love that. They, or the king and I would love that. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Right. So it feels like they're still on. It's almost like they're like, ah, kids, like they don't know. Yep. Like, don't worry yep. about this. We'll figure that out. We can still make this work based on the healing we had earlier. Right. So the scene, it, it's interesting because usually you have a scene like that. If it breaks down, it means something big. It doesn't really. In, in here, right? Like they're saying, we'll get over this. We're still okay. We're still on, on track to maybe make this happen, right? 100% agree with you, Scaddywick. Um, it's very touching, this scene. And it shows that Viserys' speech on who it was meant for, you mentioned it hit the target. It did, because even after their kids blowing up at each other, Alice and Rhaenyra are able to face each other, holding hands, and be like, let's keep this going. I'll come back. And, you know, saying I'll come back on Dragonback to me indicates that it's urgent for her. Rhaenyra wants to fix yeah. this. It's not like maybe I'll come back in a week, you know, when the boat's yeah. ready or whatever. I'll yeah. get on my dragon. I'll fly right back here and we'll keep this. We'll fix this, you know. Yeah, and also, I don't want to dilute the importance of their speeches to each other because Correct. I think Viserys' speeches broke it down, broke down the barriers a little bit. But had they not? done their own speeches to each other it would have gone nowhere right so the evening you know net positive was really a success up until you know the next scene but uh up until allison's putting viserys to bed but um allison of even an hour before this would not be telling rainera that she would want her to come back correct you know yeah and i don't know scad do you think allison is seriously entertaining this idea of okay i'm done fighting rainera can be the queen is that is. i mean i think she is too i think she is i think i i think a lot of things happen in this episode and i don't know maybe this is a well it's probably not dragons after dark i think a lot of things happen in this episode that make her maybe think guess what maybe my kid isn't really cut out to do this that's my thoughts exactly Aegon is a piece of shit. Like maybe he shouldn't be in control, right? 
And also look at what my power grab, what my lust for power has done to this family. Look at what it's done to my son. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame her entirely, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of things, a lot of blame to go around. But yeah, I think maybe she recognizes her part in it. And, And I think, you know, we've talked before about whether whether her real concern was the safety of her kids, mm-hmm. right? Well, guess what? They're all adults now. Like, is it, are they really in danger? Can we, are they going to work through this? Can, does Rhaenyra really, does she have it out for them in blood? Really? It, I mean, I never yeah. felt that way having, right. you know, whatever, but you and I both. she she did for a while, uh, Allison feel that way. You know, she declined the marriage offer because she felt like it wasn't good enough. They've all grown since then, right? And I think maybe she sees like Aegon's not cut out for this. My husband's about to die. Let's bring this family together. And fine, if Rainier is ruling, okay. Let's right. see how this we can all do this anymore. together. Yeah, kind of, kind of like a Rayanus argument. Right? Do I do I need to go through all this to try to put my kid on the throne who sucks? She knows he's a rapist. She knows he's bad. I don't get the impression this is the first sack of gold she's given out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she talks about, you know, you and I are more alike in her speech. She said, you're, you're more alike. We're more alike than maybe we give ourselves credit for. Remember, Rhaenyra was asking the same question to Viserys earlier in the episode. Is this worth it? Like, is yeah. everything we're going through worth it? Well, this is another thing these two women have in common of Alicent now saying, thinking to herself, as we're inferring, is this worth it? Like, is everything we're going through, man, yeah. this sucks. So I think B-Word and Steph might appreciate, B-Word and Steph might appreciate uh, something Allison says. We're both mothers. Yep. That's one of the things Allison leads with in her speech. We're both mothers. Mm-hmm. Like, we can both look at this, you know, from that perspective. And that's when healing starts is when you're willing to find common ground, when you're willing to do it. Remember episodes ago when we were like, Allison says it's all about the safety of her kids, but it isn't because she was just offered their safety and she declined it. Yeah. We detected hints of Cersei there. She's, she's, yeah, but she's grown now. Like she's, Mm -hmm. she This is years later. Yeah. Anyway. People change. Yeah. People change. People understand the stakes more. They realize that their own claimant sucks sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, is she really ready to give up the kingdom? And I kind of feel like she was. I kind of feel like she was. Yeah. At we least ready have... to start talking about it and entertaining it. Like This feels right. We do have this, before we get to the Viserys, uh, yeah. Alice and Ensign, we do have this tiny little scene tiny with Asaria and to- Talissa, which is the the Talia, s- Talissa, yeah. servant who apparently is informing on her actions within the Red Keep. Mm-hmm. I don't have really anything for this. Uh, this servant is telling Mysaria something. Yep. In my opinion, she's telling Mysaria that Allison is murdering girls. There could <sighs> definitely be that. It could, you know, it, if she's got eyes and ears in on what's going on in dinner, she can report on that. Could be. Yep. She could report on Vaiman Valarian being dead. Uh, yeah, but I think, you know, with her closeness to Alicent, it feels like she would be reporting more on what's going on with the queen. So I didn't actually look to see if she was in that dinner scene at all serving. She wasn't. Like yeah. She well, not that it, they didn't make it apparent that she was there. Yeah. So. So then we get the, we get the money shot, if you will, if I can put it crudely. 
Man. Money shot Matt is the shot in porn when um it's all right. Let's move on. No, I need you to finish. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just teasing. Yep. <laughs> this is a small kid show. Of, a small part of me thinks that you watch more porn than me. Small okay. part. Keep that keep that small. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my daughter, uh my 13-year-old daughter Leia asked me today, actually. Dad, can I listen to your podcast? No. And I, I just said, no, no. She's like, why? No. It's just you and Scott talking. I was like, no, you just can't. No. Nope. Which her being 13 year old, 13 years old, probably just made her want to listen to it more. When but, you're 18. Mm-hmm. That's or, what she said. When can or I listen? when I die. When can I listen to your podcast? Yeah. Later. <laughs> Later is a good answer. So we get Viserys in his bed, mask off trying to sleep allison coming in to comfort him i don't know maybe this is something she does every night i don't know it's interesting sweet it felt like something this would be something a servant would do and it's not something i would have expected to see not based on the way we saw them interacting in the last episode where they don't go to bed together where they're very much apart where they seem almost spiteful of each other and and it's not something i expected a small little detail, she was still in the dress that she had worn to dinner, which leads mm-hmm. me to believe it's not like, well, I'll just go check on him before I go to bed, but I'm going to yep. take my makeup off and get comfortable. It's almost like she went right to him. Yep. yep. Yeah. So he's in a stupor. He's uh, he's a mess. Uh, his first words, I believe, are, you wanted to know if I believe it to be true. Mm-hmm which is, I don't think we explicitly said those words in the previous scene where Rhaenyra is talking to him when she went to him when he was nearly asleep or when he was sleeping. But she asked him if she if he believed that prophecy to be true, if it was real. And so you get the sense right off the bat that he's muddled, that he's answering a question from a previous conversation that maybe he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra this whole time. Did you yep. get that same impression? One hundred percent. Yep. Okay. He I think we're meant to. I think we are. Yep. Yep. But Allison hears Aegon. Correct. She hears Viserys talking about a dream of a future, something that he dreamed of, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now he never confirms which Aegon. She Correct. asked at least twice. He never affirmed it to be their child, Aegon. Correct. She said, "Our son." And he didn't fix it or anything. He just said in response to unite the realm against the cold. Our son to unite the realm against the cold. Mm-hmm. It is you. You are the one. So Matt, it's hard for me to really fault Allison too much. Correct. Because she's getting these ramblings from a man that she probably hears ramble a lot. But this is a woman that's tried to find purpose in her position here, that she's been forced into this life for so long, looking for meaning, looking for hope for her children, looking for a reason that she's had these children, looking for a reason she's in this at all, right? And now she gets maybe this charge of like, no, it is important. And furthermore, she has the background of this bonfire discussion for episode three where he talks to her about his dreams and how he always wanted to be a dreamer mm-hmm. and that, that he wonders if this is before, you know, well, he's had Aegon now, right? But he ta- he's talking to her about a time before he had Aegon 
that he'd given up on being a dreamer, right? But Aegon is now his kid's name. And now he's saying, oh, maybe this dream is real, right? And so I think she's taking bits and pieces from the past. She's latching onto things she's hearing now. She's trying to put a puzzle together that she doesn't really understand. And she's taking what we all want, which is to be told we're important, right? And so she's latching onto that. I talked for a long time. I was happy to listen to it uh, because I agree with you. To her, you know, religious ears, this this must feel incredible to hear, you know, mm-hmm. not only that you're important and that your child is actually important, but, uh, you know, this is a prophecy thing. So for someone who's really steeped herself in religion, and we talked about hiding behind it, maybe this is, I think, even more impactful. Um, and for all those reasons that you mentioned, you it's brilliant acting by the actress, Emily Carey. Uh, no, you, it's, it's uh, Olivia Cook now. Olivia Emily carries the old one. Yes, Olivia Cook. The young, the young. Yeah, yeah, the old one. The old, the, the young, young one. the old, yeah. the younger right. who's yeah. now old. You know what I mean? Time perspective. <laughs> you see her resolve hardening, and it's almost like you almost see it in her face. Of, well, I was, I was totally content. I was becoming content with the idea of supporting Rhaenyra as queen, but now I can't. It's almost like this is going to, I was mending this thing and now there's prophecy involved. My son's going to be something big. I can go with Rhaenyra, even though we just had this great moment together. Things have just changed and you almost see like, I've got to live up to this. And you see like almost this resolve hardening in her. Uh, It acts out pretty beautifully. And it's totally flips everything on its head. Totally yeah, I, it. I did a poor job stating it earlier, but like the idea that the kingship has to pass down to your eldest born son is a thing that they've believed for a long time, right? And this idea of him having a dream of having a son that would carry that on, and he gave up on that earlier, the whole bonfire discussion. He's now, I think in her mind, she, he's now saying that he was wrong about giving up on that. Right. Right. He is. And yep. so if she doesn't do something, all related to prophecy, like you're saying, if she doesn't do something and make sure that the line follows his firstborn son, this is going to be bad. He's dreamt it. He's a dreamer. He's just confirming to me now that he's a dreamer, like he always thought he was on his near deathbed. I have to do this. Exactly. And that's going to suck because I just started mending things with Rhaenyra. And now that's gone. Oops. Yep. That's gone. Yeah. And darn, but I've got to do it. Yeah. Right? That call sucks. That Raven, the next morning Raven yeah. is like, don't come out. Don't bother um, coming. We're having a war instead. Yep. <laughs> because yeah. before she was, there was a lot of her that was doing it to protect her son. A lot of it was her still being puppeted by Otto Hightower. We saw that in the last episode. Now this just became real to her. Yeah. Do you, so just, I don't know if it's spoiler, whatever, but this doesn't happen in Fire and Blood. Nope. Um, Nothing, nothing like this happened in Fire and Blood. It says he Um, closed his eyes and went to sleep, Viserys, and that was it. Yeah, maybe we should deal with the 
the last of the scene, he's, he, he does close his eyes as, as Allison leaves. He reaches up as if he's seen something. It's a wonderful piece of acting by Patty Considine. Uh, and then he says, as, as the screen goes dark and he closes his eyes, he says, my love, uh, meant to be Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a be- just a beautiful scene, a, a beautiful farewell for this character who, you know, I have my problems with him for sure, but a wonderful f- performance, I mean, way more fleshed out than we get in Fire and Blood. Oh my gosh. I mean, the whole series was Emmy worthy, but this episode alone is like, Give this man all the awards. Yeah, pretty fucking good. Man. Um, so I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Do, do you have much more on this scene? Do we want to move to Dragons After Dark? I'm ready to go. Yeah, I think we've said everything we need to say. My last okay. note was, in his mind, he goes out thinking he succeeded. He was able to say everything to his family. He was able to say everything to who he thought was Rhaenyra who he defended he accomplished everything he needed to accomplish and then the he says before he says my love he says no more no more almost like there's nothing else left for me to do i'm going back to emma right i get to see emma again and in his mind he went down thinking he did it he passed the crucible he got through the crucible that's his crucible and he was done yeah and good for him. I'm glad he got to go out thinking that, you know. But it ain't over. It ain't over. Not for us. <laughs> Not for those that have to live on. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, for those of you listening that do not want spoilers, uh, turn it off now because we're going to go into the realm of spoilers. Where we'll talk about things that are spoilery in, in this episode that we didn't discuss and also uh, what might be coming in episode nine. Yep. So shall we dive in? Let's do it. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Dragons after dark. Okay, Scad. Um, so do I think the biggest one of the biggest things for me is Helena's, you know, another prophecy. Feels like mutterings, feels like mutterings. Uh, but yes, her saying beast beneath the boards Mm -hmm. at the dinner scene. Um, Helena, you know, she's it appears that she's a dreamer. Uh, she reminds me a lot of Darren from Duncan Egg, in that these, these little glimpses, Darren was always haunted by his dreams because they weren't super clear to him. And so they were very easy for him to misinterpret. And that's, you know, a big reason of why he fell into alcoholism and everything is that was the only way he could deal with what he was going through, um, what was going on in his mind. But, uh, and Helena seems to be that way too, where she's constantly having these different dreams. Like Viserys had the one dream, right? Um, Aegon, I don't know if he had more than just the one dream uh, that's brought up here. Uh, Danny's had a lot of dreams. Darren seemed to have a lot of dreams and Helena seems to be one of those. And um, that's what I'm saying. They need to listen to her. She prophesied Eamon losing his eye. They would have just given her the time of day on that. 
she prophesied the conflict between the greens and the blacks. No one's listening to her. Um, yeah. But the thing is, is, is she's not because they're just like these glimpses of things. She sees the conflict of the greens versus the black as, as sewing, a sewing going with green and black thread. Um, she doesn't understand the impact and the significance of her own dreams. But so I'm being kind of tongue in cheek saying they just need to listen to her. But uh, it appears that she's a dreamer in line with these others. It appears that she is. Reminds me of, uh, do you remember the little, very small thing? Tiora Toland. House Toland. Uh, she in, in, in uh, Dorne. Um, actually, I think it's, it's in Winds of Winter, actually. So it's, it's okay. even beyond what we've actually published. But Prince, but Ariane goes to Ghost Hill on her way up to oh, try yeah. to mm-hmm. hook up with uh, hook up with not hook up uh, in the sexual but sense, yes, but, but yes to meet up with with uh, Aegon Aegon the sixth mm-hmm. and Tiora is there and she dreams they were dancing in my dream and everywhere the dragons danced the people died and she's just kind of dismissed she's a um, uh, she's short, plump, and shy um, and seemed to have prophetic dreams. So mm-hmm. I don't know, it reminded me of, of Tiora a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think she definitely nice. has them. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiora Toland, of course, not a, not a, a Targaryen. Targaryen. Uh, unless, I mean, lots of people could be Targaryen. The blood. So you yeah, listen to my blood that. stuff yeah. that I talk yeah. about all the time. But, um, you know, not traditionally a Targaryen. But right. uh, yeah, I think I think she definitely is. I think they could they could definitely solve a lot of problems by listening to her. Um, not in the books. This is a wrinkle that is not present yes. in the books. But totally. I think it adds some interest to the character. It certainly makes us. We want they want us to really love Helena, uh, probably to make blood and cheese more impactful. Unfortunately, um, yeah. do you think One that's of- what's being referred to by beasts beneath the boards? That seems to be a common interpretation. I don't know what that means beneath the boards. I don't feel like blood and cheese came up through boards. I feel like they came through a secret passage of some kind. But that could still be like beneath the boards means like underground. Under so floor, like maybe. tunnels. Yeah. Cheese was a rat catcher before rats beneath the boards. I don't yeah. know. That I could be reach. I tend to think of it more of like of spies of some kind, but I don't, I didn't, mm-hmm. as usual. Matt with prophecy i don't put a whole lot of thought into it it could be Missaria, it could be laris you know referring to them that they're constantly being watched yes and, yeah i'm not gonna i'm gonna play these games they want me to play by trying to like <laughs> uncover the mystery just right give me give me the book and tell me what the mystery is yeah, but whatever it is hey yeah. you're, you sound like me um i do to some degree uh but i believe she is prophetic i, I believe yeah. that and i i like the addition um you know it's uh one of the great things about the way they've handled House of the Dragons, they can kind of add these little things. And this isn't so little a thing. What they're really doing with Viserys having maybe dreams and saying that there are dreamers in this house is saying there's more than just Diana and, uh, oh, is it a Daenerys? Is it a Danny's. 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 Thank you. Jeez. You got Mix me this between time. the two. Danny's and uh, Danis, as I would say it, Danis and and Daeron, uh, that there are, and Rhaegar perhaps, that there are more dreamers than just those, right? And that right. they're scattered throughout the house and that Helene is just one more. 
Um, and how tragic is it that they're not, they're not listened to, that they're not listened to or that encouraged to develop those skills or like even recognize that, Oh, we've got a dreamer here. They're so focused on like dragon rider, dragon rider, dragon rider, dragon rider, that it's like, no, there's this additional skill that some Targaryens have. Yeah. There's this additional skill that maybe we should recognize and encourage and develop because it could benefit us. Rhaegar was so bookish, so terrible. Well, maybe pursuing fucking knowledge might help you guys. Nerd alert. You guys have a leg up on everybody else because you dream the future and you don't even use that knowledge. Yeah, like they should be having little classes on these, like interpretation of dreams or something. And As Viserys says in episode three, uh, I think at the bonfire, what, what power is a dragon when you can dream the future? Exactly. Paraphrased. I'm sure I screwed it up. Exactly. Paraphrased. Exactly. So I want to talk mm. prophecy, Matt. Okay. What do you think about this prophecy? We're late. We've been talking for a long time. Is it? This, could this be was a, long a good episode. episode. This is my favorite episode. So, you know, we're talking about it. I guess. Mine too. Mine too. Uh, what do you think about this prophecy stuff? Um, I think prophecy is. Uh, a way to force characters to act Mm -hmm. and exercise their agency. So I see prophecy as a background catalyst to action by characters, which is really what I want to see. I want to see characters responding to things. I want them to, I want to see them being forced to exercise their agency and make choices. And sometimes those choices are wrong and sometimes they're right, but that's really what I want to see. So the prophecy stuff is not super interesting decoding it and all of that. I just want to see what it does to the characters and what they do with it. Yeah. Okay. I, I like, I, I really like that answer. I mean, as, as a means to how it relates to the behaviors, well, the choices characters end up making. Right. Mm -hmm. I like that. Which comes from their interpretations and such. It feels like a cop out a little bit that they've used the prophecy to make Allison act the way they have almost Hmm. I don't want to use the term bait and switch exactly but they have this wonderful scene where they unite everybody and then they just deus ex machina this prophecy in here to turn Allison around on a dime (coughs) and it's like Allison had all sorts of reasons before this episode to want to press her claim to want to press her kids claim and we've I don't know it feels like we've just kind of gone around in circles a little bit and we've used mm. prophecy to get out of it and i don't like it i okay i feel like I, don't, I think it was the first episode where we learned about the song of ice and fire and the dagger which you know everyone knows i hate the dagger but but that we learned about the prophecy in general and i was like yes you know Aegon knows and it goes all the way back and it's gonna echo through the time and so cool and you know, we were right and Joe Magician was right and other people were right and, you know, really cool stuff. But when they just use it to kind of dangle a carrot in front of characters to get the plot to go a certain direction, I don't love it, man. It felt cheap to me. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I disagree. I loved it. Okay. I thought that we were be- we were given so many reasons to to see Allison softening on this whole idea and, you know, with the way Aegon's acting and 
all of this stuff of being like, oh, maybe this isn't really worth fighting for that. We really needed something to hit her to, to make her, you know, decide I'm willing to go to war over this, you know, I'm but- willing to go hard. And so that worked for me. I understand what you're saying, especially with the excitement surrounding the reveal of this prophecy. Uh, and I don't know how else it'll come into it. And maybe too, I'm used to be, things being turned on their heads. I watch shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, where it's like everything's okay, and then five minutes later, everything falls apart. <laughs> I think that's pretty normal for TV, I guess. But I guess it was it was a pretty quick turnaround for, for yeah. um, literally two, one it scene, was two minutes. You know, yeah. like we got um, the Messiah scene like wedged in there, yes, and then right. it was that. It was very quick. I guess, um, I don't know. I, I would have liked to see it. I would have liked to see it play out a little bit differently. Um, That's fine. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I have a better way, I guess. But it just felt, it felt a little bit forced. I mean, what, 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 happens when, what happens when she writes that letter? Sorry, boo, don't come back. War instead. Smiley. Uh, I think that's going to be delicious. What? But, okay, but why not? Like, hey, this happened. We came to an agreement. I got this weird message from Viserys, and now he's dead. Can we talk about this? Because it was pretty unclear. Yeah. Maybe. Like, why, like, why wouldn't they hash this out to some degree? We could and, get that. And, like, come to I don't some. Think we will, but we could. <laughs> It just it feels it feels like they're assuming a lot of things wouldn't happen to make this real. Mm-hmm. Allison's really gonna. I mean, I get that she she's getting some sort of divine inspiration from this that, that she's important, but like, right? Wouldn't she when she says no, we're doing our own thing, and Rainier's like, hold on, what happened? Would she just say, nah, I don't want to explain it, or would she say he t- started talking about this prophecy about Aegon and about this stuff? And wouldn't Rhaenyra be like, oh, oh yeah, I have some of that. Let's share notes. And like they could come to some, it, it feels like this wouldn't just go down like, nah, you're out now. Ooh. It feels like they'd have some sort of conversation about this. Well, you're, you're kind of acting like it already happened and it hasn't yet. I mean, we could, we don't know what's going to, what the fallout's going to be. We're in the spoiler right? section now, Matt. We know what's going to happen. The thought that just came to me is maybe they do get together and talk about it. And this is where the conflict about the kids being named Aegon comes in and everything. And Rhaenyra talking about, this is what he told me. And she's like, well, I heard Aegon. And so it's not about kids either of their Aegon. Aegons, though. It's about and, the original Aegon. And Rhaenyra can tell her that. And that's what Rhaenyra will say. And Allison will go, no, I'm pretty sure he's talking about my Aegon. And butt heads and there it goes man it just feels okay i like it i like it you don't that's cool i don't i really yep. don't it's okay i'm comfortable with that <laughs> do you have more stuff or should we move on to what happens in episode nine uh just tiny little things um in the yard we get a look at Arik and Eric Cargyle yes. fighting, which yes. I think is just a little taste of what we're going to see later with a, a very dramatic moment of the two of them basically dying at each other's hands. 
Is that how you say those, those names? I've always just said uh, Eric and Eric. I thought that it, was the joke. I think in the show, even um, Allison says, Oh, Sir Eric. And he's like, actually, I'm Sir Eric. <laughs> like, I, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She actually says it that way. Um, but it's like, what? well, that's a joke in itself. Right. She yeah. She said the same thing. Yeah. It's like, that's what she just said. Do they always just correct whoever says their name? Probably. You got <laughs> it, it wrong. It's Eric. It probably really was Eric. And he was just saying that. Too. Yeah. 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 Um, and then maybe just the couple other little things lord caswell's executed for staying loyal to rhaenyra uh viserys is a name fit for a king mm-hmm. the baby viserys that viserys does become the king does become day. king he does yep. yeah caswell uh, was uh one that swore fealty in the beginning to rhaenyra he was the one that said hey can i help you on the steps and she said maybe later my lord and he's yep. the one that greeted her to, on the steps in this episode. So they're kind of using him, but uh, spoiler, he gets beheaded for loyalty to Rhaenyra. Probably doesn't, a very dramatic beheading scene they're setting Doesn't up. go well. <laughs> um, and then the Beesbury, kind of him being all senile and everything. I think that's, uh, yeah. and this will, this will be a nice segue into what will happen in episode eight, probably to make him seem even more out of it when he's the only one to speak up for Rhaenyra next episode. Say, yeah. Oh, that's all just crazy Lyman Beesberry. Yeah. Yeah. So Fire and Blood has, let's move into that. Fire and Blood has uh, two kind of ways that's handled. One says that uh, Kristen Cole sits Lyman Beesberry back down as he's claiming that they're committing treason essentially and opens his throat. Mm-hmm. And his other throat. people say that he was just grabbed and taken to the black cells and died there. Um, you think he's going to be murdered? Actually, I think there's a third account. One says that they throw him out the window. Yeah, he he's thrown out the window. Yeah. Three accounts. Uh, if I'm just looking, going for feel of House of the Dragon, I think I think the throat scene would, would happen. Yeah, I agree. Throwing out the window defenestrating seems too dramatic almost. Yeah. I think I'm going to go for the throat scene. Sounds okay. good, right? Right. Yep. I think Cole is going to murder Westerling and take... Uh, Oh, take the head because I, I think Westerling's loyal to Rhaenyra. He's still and, alive too, and yeah, he's long gone in in Fire and Blood by now. But uh, I feel like that's going to be a Beesbury like moment where he's like, oh. "Nah, man, traitors die." And I don't know if they'll have a big battle about it or whether he'll just kind of jab him under the armpit and kill him or what. But I think yeah. it's going to happen. Ooh, I like that. Okay. My idea for him was a little different. You know, they make a big deal in Fire and Blood about how two Kingsguard members oh, yeah. stay yeah. with Rhaenyra and go with her to Dragonstone. Then later she's joined by a Cargyle. Um, but it's a Darklin and a Marbrand. But we haven't really gotten to know any of those guys. So we really don't have any connection. I wonder if they'll replace one of those characters with Westerling. They've kept him alive this long. I think we've predicted in like three of our episodes that he'll die by the next yeah, episode. Kristen Cole will take over. But in Fire this... and Blood, I think the Darklin is the one that steals the crown. Correct. Yeah. And then goes to join her on on uh, Dragonstone, right? And this one could be they could be Maybe replacing those guys instead. with Westerling. He yeah. goes and that keeps his character around. He becomes almost kind of like a Barristan Selmy type old wizened warrior slash counselor for I like, at least a little bit and then he dies i like your answer better i thought it would be a game of thronesy battle way to throw some action into this episode that i think is going to be quite dry uh, from a yeah. like 
I I wonder if we're gonna get Matt Green Council episode nine, Black Council episode ten. Maybe. And that we'll get you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it ends with like emissaries being sent in episode ten from both sides. Right. To each other. Hmm. I like that. I've said, I've been saying all season. I don't know what they're going to do with the rest of the time because two episodes. What are they going to end on? What do you think they're going to end on in this series, Matt? I uh, in the series or the season? Sorry, season. Season. Yeah. Okay, my prediction. I I put some thought into this. Um, I think they could condense it all. So episode nine is council stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode ten. I think the big event will be Amon killing Luke. I agree. I think that's how it'll end. The storm's end scene. I mean, now, we might get like a little scene after of like uh, they receive word and a, a reaction or something. Right. And, and maybe even. Um, maybe, know, even ma- Damon, maybe even Damon saying. Going to Masaria. And a prince for a prince or what's yeah. the line? It's not that's not the line. What's the line? A son for a son. Yeah, something along those lines. A son for but, a son. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking is Luke is killed by Eamon. That's the big action of season 10. And then the cliffhanger that they leave you on is Damon and going to Masaria. Oh, he doesn't even say anything. That. Maybe, maybe he doesn't even maybe he doesn't say anything. It's just him looking at her and there and it's like something's gonna happen but you don't know what right but i think even the son for a son thing could be impactful to make you make viewers go oh who are they gonna kill next yeah yeah that's my prediction it's a good prediction i i think i agree luke's death in general well sorry everybody that didn't that wanted luke to live he doesn't nope he's basically other than beesbury he's basically like the first blood Mm -hmm. um First blood that matters, anyway. I guess. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think that's a good a good guess. Uh, Aegon, I think, is going to get crowned at the uh, end of episode nine after the mm-hmm. Green Council preparation. Yeah. Um, uh, I think they even showed in the scenes for the next episode. They show a a, a dart up like a coal cobalt looking crown being brought out yes which i assume would be aegon's aegon the conqueror's crown crown. yes yep um yeah i i wonder if i wonder if if um kind of like a feast for crows dance dance with dragons kind of thing if if we don't even see dragonstone in, in episode nine. Oh, interesting scale. Or like the very end yeah. of it, right? Like right. maybe yeah. the ravens arrive or mm-hmm. or or uh Westerling arrives with the news or something at the very end of nine to set up ten. But right. then we get a, a mostly green council and rounding up allies and stuff, the discussion on the green side, and then we get a similar thing in ten. And then the last 15 minutes maybe are yeah, the emissaries going and, and having the whole scene at, at Storm's End. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Cool. All right. Cool. Well, there we are. Here we are. I think this is a long episode. Yeah. It's three hours, my man. At this Here point. we go, brother. Here we go. <laughs> Remember when we wanted to do it in 45 minutes? <laughs> Sweet summer children. Sweet summer children. 
Um, I was really touched by a, a post Patty Considine made, and I think I, I think I put it on Twitter, but it's made its rounds. Um, talking about Viserys' death, and I'd like to share that with everyone for my sign off tonight. I liked it so much. Um, he says I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll kind of skip around. But it's a, a Instagram post. He's talking about he's so grateful. He'd like to thank the creators of the show, I'm assuming, for allowing me the freedom to make Viserys my own. I've never loved a character so much. I want to give massive love and respect to at Brooke Sian, which I, is the lady that played Emma, Emma. Yep. Um, who came in only for a few days, but changed the course of my character with her brilliant performance and commitment to the work. The impact stayed with me until my final improvised words. So, uh, she unlocked the missing piece of the puzzle for me and allowed my story to come full circle. From the moment she dies, so does Viserys. It was a love story. That's the secret I carried with me. As sick as Viserys gets, he never himself demands any cure. He quietly accepts his suffering, never forgiving himself for putting his beloved wife through such torture in her final moments. Viserys was a gift. I'm so honored he found me. Now that was just a touching look at a, an actor just falling in love with his uh, his character and really just giving his all to it. So that's my sign-off. And I hate to do it, but I have to undercut your sign-off. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get to do my scad rant, and I won't. I'll save it for maybe for next episode. Oh, you didn't do it? No, I did not. But oh, my, wow. my sign-off today will be maybe that character died when Emma did but he still forced Alicent into a marriage she didn't want, into sex she didn't want, and neglected kids he didn't want by continuing to have actions that apparently his character didn't care about and didn't want to live through. And so he can say all that, and he can believe that his character died when Emma did. But his character didn't die. His character continued on, had actions, those actions had repercussions, and those repercussions ruined the realm. This could turn into a whole discussion, but we're at the end. So there you go. You got the two sides to it, and <laughs> that can be it. <laughs> good night, everybody. Okay, good night. Mm -hmm.